WTF Forum is a decentralized broadcast network with no governing body of any kind and is produced and distributed by a loosely affiliated, ever-growing network of rogue, independent content creators. This forum does not, will not, and shall not have any one location, RSS feed, platform, or channel, but shall be shared and multiplied as nature dictates. WTF Forum. The hosts do not give financial, legal, medical, or any kind of advice. Opinions are their own. This broadcast contains foul language and dangerous ideas. If you need a trigger warning, you are in the wrong place. Now enjoy the show. What the fuck is up, y'all? Welcome to the WTF forum it is january 7th 2024 we are coming at you from a brand new year i am mike the polymath from the easy peasy podcast and i'm gonna pass it around the circle to my good friend stella q hello and happy new year to everybody hope you've had a great break yep stella q still here in australia Australia is still here, <laughs> as far as I know. And uh, I'll pass it on to my good friend and co-podcaster, Ashley. Hello. Thank you for having me, everybody. It's Ashley. Think, change, repeat. I'm happy to be here with y'all fine folks. And I'll pass it over to Jen. Hey, everybody. Uh, happy New Year. I'm really excited to be here. And uh, I'll try and be cool because Drizzle's on and Drizzle's cool and yeah, and just vibes and love and everything. So I'll pass it on. Man, don't don't uh, change your behavior on my account. <laughs> um, you know, we we came here to get down. So uh, you just do you. Uh, but I am the Drizzle, host of Grand Theft World Liberty Radio, and uh, apparently prolific Twitter feud instigator. But uh, it's good to be back with uh, all y'all crazy peeps. Proud of you, man. I thought we were going to keep that whole that whole drama off the air. And you I go and just bring anything. it up. I did not <laughs> say anybody's names. I, look, it's all there on the record. People can well, go and find it for themselves. Well, okay. So we, we, we talked. Let's just be open and honest here. Basically, yeah, Drizzle's picking fights, man. Between Forest Mommy and Adam Curry. Adam oh, has pissed off two people. In our in our very niche podcasting. Oh wow, community. who's the second? Adam Curry. No, no, I mean who's the second person that he pissed off? That no, I'm saying you pissed oh, off. Two I people. pissed them off. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll go <laughs> along with that. You pissed off Adam Curry too? Uh I don't know if I necessarily pissed him off. I think I just pushed the right button. Oh, the plot thickens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm trying to get Adam on the easy peasy podcast. Don't be, oh. don't be fucking my <laughs> shit up. <laughs> he, he, does, he has no idea that the two of us even know each other, man. Trust me. Yeah, no, true. Yet. True. Yet, yet. Well, if I invite him on, yeah, that'll and come he out does, later. 
if I invite him on and he does his homework, he's going to be like, oh, he's a he's a known associate of uh-huh. the drizzle. Yeah. And if he avoids coming on your podcast because of that assumption, then yeah. that really tells us a lot about Adam Curry. Doesn't true. It? True. This yeah. is true. a very true no. statement. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 100% joking with, you know, first and foremost, I think it's hilarious, man. So what, what buttons did you push? Uh, I called him self-righteous because he yeah. was acting self-righteous and apparently he didn't like that a whole lot. So. Are you banned? I even had somebody else on uh, No Agenda Social tell me that I needed to pipe down, and you should have heard what my response to them was. Well, I saw I was, your screen <laughs> screenshots. So I was gonna say that uh, Drizzle does not suffer fools, and it really doesn't matter who you are. <laughs> if he sees you wilding out, mm-hmm. he's gonna say something every time. I love that's my favorite thing about Drizzle, just to be honest. Yeah, like, that's I'm why a, I like you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, a, Ashley and Drizzle also know that I'm kind of a prolific fighter on Twitter as well. Not maybe oh my gosh. prolific, but pretty bad. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been blocked by several large, uh, not the Liberty community accounts, but definitely, well, Redhead Libertarian blocked me quite a few months ago. There's and- no loss there. No, definitely not. I called her a hoe. And... Oh yeah, you also call her. Oh, a witch. this humanity. Oh I, yeah, I said I said she was too old to be the Scarlet Woman of their coven or Scarlet Whore. I think. I said that. <laughs> How is that not true? <laughs> That's true. That's exactly true. <laughs> We'd yeah, but, like but, but Jin, Jin, you cannot tell a woman she's too old for anything. That's like the cardinal sin. No, but she's too old to do that. To do, she's not. And I, I said that she is not. I said she was a. What did I say? She's a Jane Mansfield, not a Tuesday Welds. And to just get over. <laughs> I got it. Listen, <laughs> Jen. Some of the stuff that Jen tweets to people is mean. I admit it. I fully admit it. It's really vicious. It's very visceral. It's like no holds barred. If you are the object of my ire at that moment, you're going to get full gin. Get out of Dodge. You're probably going to be called, you might be called a troon. Oh, you absolutely. Might, mm-hmm. You might be called oh a, a fussy seller. <laughs> Where do all these names come from? Every time, every week there's a new name and I don't know what any of them mean. Yeah, it's There's a just, whole glossary of terms that needs to be written post twenty twenty. You know it's what? Internet, right. internet slang. It's uh, yes. yeah. Internet now I yeah. will tell you that troons is the derogatory term for the um the trans. Mm-hmm. So I, I I consider it oh, okay. kind of like like you're a cartoon. Like you're so silly, you're ridiculous. <laughs> like okay. well, it's like Troon. like 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 truny tunes, tranny tunes. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, so that's where Troons comes from. And then Excellent. Bussy, Bussy is the um I don't know. I don't want that's to say not the- my that was not my I did not coin that term. The, <laughs> the, the 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 whole phrase is black tranny bussy seller. Okay. That's not my phrase. That is just a <laughs> phrase that is used to describe certain people who have DNC kind of coded opinions sure so bussy bussy basically is a really roundabout way of saying like black trans lives matter no bussy bussy is the i don't want to say the polite word for (laughs) pussy but it's a different word for pussy 
And so it's a black, a, a black it's, trans it's a, pussy. I was well, just gonna say, yeah, sounds. It like can that. also be. It can also be like a boy pussy. So it's like a B. <laughs> yeah, pussy, so pussy. It's for anyone. It's just for anyone who is like, a, okay, so it's from Basil Bactrian, Neo Bactrian, if you want to follow him on Twitter. And he <laughs> often will call people this, and because they will be, he'll call them crypto leftists. And I think that that's a hilarious way to say it because it's just like a lot of people, and Joseph, I think, will agree with this. A lot of people are trying to break into the media market and they will have horrible opinions and they will act like, they are above everyone else and like they should be the arbiters of like whatever people's the di- Twitter discourse is. And so, yeah, I think that they need to be taken down a peg. So I think that's a perfect oh, way sure. to do it. Oh yeah. I have no issue with that. I'm a very big advocate for, uh, for <laughs> tearing down war pig. <clears throat> Anybody that's volunteering you and your children to go and die for XYZ, military industrial complex, whatever, which is uh, currently, uh, you know, a lot of Nikki Haley's, Dan Crenshaw's, um, Lindsey Graham, you know, people like that, they should also be taken down. Um, Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Tulsi. Yeah, they should also be taken down a peg. And uh, basically, whenever I see Drizzle or Jen, you know, engaging with people, I'm just like, um. But, you know, usually they have it coming. So no problems here. I'm really glad I stayed off Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) There is a rhetorical power in doing it, but you have to, like, I think Drizzle's better at this than me because, like, there will be a point where I get really mad and, like, need to, like, rage quit. But if you're doing it and you're totally unaffected, then it's, like, really powerful. It's, like, it's, like, the best drugs. It's all right. So this is the way you do it, right? It, it took me a while to figure it out, but what, what I eventually realized is most people who are on Twitter and interact with Twitter, take it seriously. They think Twitter is real life and it's not. So Mm -hmm. all you have to do is just keep one upping them and don't take anything personally, because again, These people don't know you. They've never met you. They have never interacted with you outside of the internet. So they know absolutely nothing about you. So honestly, in my opinion, if you allow these people to make you angry with something that you say, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe Twitter is not the place for you, but that's literally how you do it. You just be the biggest asshole in the room. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, it's the utility of trolling. You know, it's what, it's what made Michael mm-hmm. Malice. It's what, you know, like just shitting on people online because, yeah, guess what, motherfucker? Like, no, it's not real life. But if I can get a rise out of you, it says more about you than it does about me. Right. So would you and say actually, that because sorry, sorry, uh, I was just going to say that's going to be a theme that kind of comes up later. But go ahead. Still, I was just going to ask um whether it's differs from like Facebook, for instance, is it different because it's like only a hundred and what is it? A hundred and forty characters or is it less than 250 now? I beg your pardon? We get 250 now. 250. Oh, so that, wow. Well, technically it, not you can it. buy as many characters as you want. You can so buy there, characters. There is no limit oh, if you're willing gosh. to spend some money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. So if you do like the Twitter, so well done, Twitter Elon. premium 
Yeah, that came on board once Elon was on the scene. But us plebeians who just have the regular Twitter, then you still are limited to (laughs) your characters. But it is different. Okay, so sorry, just before we go on, I just wanted to ask whether that is the reason that it's sort of more fiery, I suppose, because it's all sort of quick shots. Yes. Rather than, is that, yeah, right, okay. And you have the threads, you have the retweet options. It's just a little bit of a different format that lends itself to that. And the other thing that I find is, and I guess it depends on the person, but in this space, like your take, it's it like Facebook, whenever I was on that, I had personal connections, like real life people that I knew. But Twitter is a little bit different than that, meaning it's just like your your mutuals, which are like your people that you follow each other and maybe work together and do spaces together and stuff like that. Or these other accounts that you follow, like, or, or that may show up in your feed, like Nikki Haley, a war pig or something like that. (laughs) Gotcha. Right. You, you have to be smart. That is who succeeds on Twitter. It's like, it is, it's a den of sharks and you have to have the strongest words and the most powerful rhetoric. And that is, kind of why I personally like it. I think that you just, if you are mean, but in a clever and often funny way, that is what wins. Now, if you say dumb things... <laughs> it's not my experience. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. I think Facebook is more boomer ranting. I think that it, that's why you know twitter is like for the kids really like the zoomer some zoomers are really good at it a lot of millennials are really good at it there's definitely like uh, a lot of gen x people also on twitter i just there's just a vibe that's very different i think and like the the zoomers are like hopeless like they're hopeless at battling they cannot do word games they are too they're too sensitive too damn sensitive yeah so, you know, it's it's for us. It's for all, like all the people that, you know, that are just like that are good with if you're good with words, you're going to succeed on Twitter pretty much. Well, I, I I like drizzle calling people out left and right because it's what keeps folks honest. And I think it is like the utility of the troll. And it's what I like about us doing our little baster bogus kind of thing. Um, you know, you guys are, you guys are mostly Twitter people. Sorry, let me finish this real quick, Ash, and then you can take it. But, um, I'm more, I came from Instagram and I'm learning Twitter and, uh, I got a friend from Instagram. He's, he's pretty well known in, in the second amendment kind of community and the anarchist community on Instagram. He's uh BR the anarch and he has called out at least as far as I know, he he called out one like militia leader who was full of shit. And now he's calling out this like influencer guy who's full of shit. Um, basically, like they 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 went by the Appalachian Rangers and at their peak, they had like 500 guys. But the guy running it was a he was a scumbag con on you know, con artist. And um it's kind of the same thing with this uh, second second thing he called out, finance and maneuver, who's selling a whole bunch of branded you know merchandise, but he's basically just a cokehead con artist. And uh, so I I applaud people like Drizzle and people like Br who are calling out the con artists, the the posers, the the flakes. What would you what would you describe him as, Drizzle? Sorry. 
<laughs> I I cut off Ashley. I that's who I'm apologizing to. That's my fault. It's okay. I just was going to chime in to use some language from Jen. It's spell breaking. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. when people have essentially cast a spell or they're grifting or however you want to look at it, when you call them out, then you're breaking that spell for people that can if who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. Yeah, 100%. that's what you're literally doing. And I did want to also break a point because that's one of the things that although Owen is probably casting spells of his own, Owen Benjamin is very good at this and he will take mm -hmm. down. It, he doesn't care who it is, you know, no. Tucker Carlson. He was going after Dave, um, Dave Smith yesterday and Clint Russell chimed in and People were like shots fired. Somebody has just been murdered here because Owen took them down. Now I don't agree with everything that Owen says, but the the point is, is that I do consider it spell breaking. Literally, no, Owen is a Owen Owen is a word sorcerer. Like I'm not just saying that in a pejorative way. I'm saying he really is. He's very good at it. I totally agree, Ashley. And he, you know, Dave Smith really deserved it, to be honest. And so I don't agree with everything that Owen says most of the time, but. In that instance, I definitely was on Team Owen. Yeah, for sure. And just to tell uh, Mike and Stella, if y'all, because I assume that Drizzle knows what I'm talking about, but basically Owen was going. I, I after... have no clue, honestly, but I'm I'm tickled oh. to hear it. Oh, good. Well, I'll tell you about it. Uh, maybe I can tag you in it later. But basically, Dave Smith is, was interviewing Vivek. Ramswahi, I believe that's the correct pronunciation. And of course, a lot of people Rama like, Ra oh. Ra Ramashwarma, I think is what <laughs> somebody I, I can't remember who, but somebody in the forum said that. <laughs> and it stuck with me. Now that's all I can hear. Okay, yeah. so Vivek Ramashwarma. But <laughs> he he's saying that he's gonna make Millie from Argentina look mild to what he's going to do to the federal government and all this stuff. And basically you have some people in the libertarian sphere, who, libertarian anarchy sphere who are like interested in Vivek. And it's like, why can't you tell that this guy is obviously a plant? It's so obvious. So why are you, unless you're owned by the same people that own Vivek Rem Schwam Schwam. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> it's, it's a frustrating, it's very frustrating. And Owen was really going after them and I'm not even going to say, but he started going hard in the paint after Indians and mm -hmm. people, but he made an amazing point because he was like, listen, that is a dirty country. They shit all over the place. There's garbage all over the place. There's a cast of people there that are literally called untouchables. So you do not get to come after me and start calling me racist while defending that country. And I was like, huh, food for thought. He's not wrong. Like, he's not wrong. I mean, I don't agree. I'm not co-signing what everything he said, but I do think that he is right in a way that, you know, people who are from other countries that are maybe not as, not that America's perfect by any means, but you should not really be criticizing. And you should not really be coming well, after people and saying the R word, calling them that. Because that's, that's retarded, okay? I, I, I gotta say, like, I had a really good friend, um, like one of my best friends, uh, is from new Delhi. He was, uh, you know, he came to my college, we were dorm mates and we ended up being roommates for multiple years after the fact, you know, and he actually just got married, you know, congratulations to Ashwin. Uh, but I had to teach this motherfucker 
how to open a can of beer. He couldn't crack open a can of beer. And it's because every time anybody ever gave him a soda, it was already opened. You know, he came, he came from the upper caste. His parents were very, very like exorbitantly wealthy, wealthy. Whoa. And, uh, I, you know, like I had to teach him how to run a vacuum cleaner. He was, he loved Capri sun, right? Those little juice pouches. Mm-hmm. And, and for the first week or two, I knew him. He would beg me to punch the straw for him because he was afraid he was going to bust it open. He had never done it before. And, uh, and eventually, you know, I was like his fucking college, like dad, right? Like, <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, you little punk. Like, <laughs> you're going to do this shit for yourself. And, uh, it, you know, there's definitely some shit about Indian culture that even he would admit is kind of fucked, you know? And, and funny thing is he actually, he's a brilliant guy studied, uh, policy and like government more or less. And he, uh, he actually ended up in the same room as Trump. He's kind of a Trump guy. He likes Trump. It's a funny thing, but that's neither here nor there. I went, I went and visited him when he lived in, uh, in Washington, D.C., and I hated that town. You know, I went and checked out the mall and the Smithsonian. Where did he live? He, well, he lived, um, God, I can't remember the name of like the area, the neighborhood, but he was in um, definitely like government area. You know, everybody that lived in his apartment worked for the government. So was he was he in the city limits of D.C. or was he outside? No, no. I think he was in Virginia. Okay, so he's probably like Arlington or someplace like that. I think Arlington, actually. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps. Sounds about right. I can't say. I can't say. But anywho, um, once again, I'm like, I'm just applauding Drizzle for picking fights because somebody's it's dirty. It's dirty work, but somebody's got to do it. You know, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just honest work, man. That's really <laughs> all it is. <laughs> somebody's got to do it. Yeah. yeah. So what what I thought we would start with, just because I thought it would be fun and it won't take long. Um, I have a I have a bit of a ceremony in mind. I want to call it honorable mentions, right? We've been doing based or bogus on and off for a while now. And we've covered quite a few folks, but there's there's a list of people I put together. Now, if any names pop out at you as being bogus on this list, I would like you to uh, make note so we can discuss. But there's one name in particular that I kind of snuck into this list that I would like (laughs) to discuss. And I'd be curious if any of you can pull it out. You know, if it, if it, you know, this is the guy I want to cover tonight because I think he might be most based. Right. So with your permission, I will, uh, I to will be fair, to be yep. fair. Am I going to, am Go I going to know it or is this more of an American E type based I thing? I think everybody here will know the name. Maybe some right. will know it better than others, but it's a, it's a household name so to speak. Cool. 
Um, and I'll leave it at that. I don't want to give you any clues, but anywho, so let me, let me commence our ceremony here. Rivers, Afro Man, Steven Seagal, Jim Carrey, Woody Harrelson, the Florida Joker, Tucker Carlson. You might George want to go back Carlin, to the beginning and more. Because uh, yes. you were muted for like the first few names that. Uh... Was I? Damn yeah. it. I probably need to turn it down, don't I? Hang on. Yep. I wanted the music to be just right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start over. It will Hold be next time. <laughs> all right. All right. We've covered many, many folks in the last year, including Joan Rivers, Afro Man, Steven Seagal, Jim Carrey, Woody Harrelson, Florida Joker, Tucker Carlson, George Carlin, and more. Now, as far as honorable mentions, people that we have not covered, I would like to give a a shout out to <clears throat> excuse me Roseanne Barr Rob Schneider Tim Dillon Eric Clapton John Daly uh, Jovan Djokovic Van Morrison Nicki Minaj Alice Cooper Connor McGregor Sean Strickland Eveling Lily Kyrie Irving Shaq Therese, Tyrese Gibson Thomas Massey, Rand and Ron Paul, Pete, Peter McCullough, Pierre Corey, uh, the Canadian truckers, as well as nurses, renegade doctors, former military, and anyone else who lost their jobs, friends, family, or opportunities in the last three years. And that's all I got to say. The blood, bloody band <laughs> played too fast. No, I tried to keep up as best I could. <laughs> I tried to keep up as best I could too, uh, but I only managed to write down four names because you were going so fast. I was trying to remember the next one I wanted to write, and I got caught in like a loop. Uh, but i i have uh, I have it on pretty good authority that uh, Van Morrison, who is the one I was trying to remember and write down, mm -hmm. uh, is completely bogus. Is that right? Ooh, yeah. how, define bogus, uh, like vaccine-wise, uh, or completely like 100% bogus? It, the, bogus. the whole uh, against the COVID narrative, I'm going to uh, fight as a prominent musician, it's all a fucking act. Really? It's it's Van Morrison grifting, yep. Based, based on what? Uh, I don't... I don't remember the source at the moment, but it was a fairly uh, in-depth dive into his history and background, and he is super fucking sketchy. Uh, wow. Really? That's wild, because yeah. he was one of the first people to speak out. Correct. The very first. Yeah, right. you might You might even call him the canary in the coal mine for musicians. Very and then of course uh, he did interesting the, timing. Did the song with Eric Clapton, so I believe he was actually Vax injured. A couple of times, bloody idiot. Yeah, um, well, apparently he, yeah, he couldn't play guitar for like a while. He got the first one, couldn't play for a while, and then went and got went back and got another one. So the mm -hmm. narrative goes. So what's your view well, I mean, on the first one? Works Eric. so well. Why not get the second? <laughs> yeah, 
crazy, isn't it? What's your view on Clapton? Is he? Do you think that he is also um, not legit? I or? think he's a dumbass. Uh, he's one hundred percent a useful idiot. He ties into uh, the Jimi Hendrix mythology uh, in very, very questionable ways. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tr- trust Clapton as far as I could throw him out a window. You know. Oh, that's ouch. <laughs> yep. So I will just that admit one. that I had to look it up. Like I didn't know who Van Morrison was. <laughs> but anyways, well, yeah, yeah let's. Uh, yeah, I'm it's just okay, well, young and okay. Yeah, what, <laughs> what other what other names did you jot down there, Drizzle? Uh, well, I mean, the obvious ones at the beginning were Roseanne Barr and Rob Schneider. Uh, those uh, <laughs> clearly, uh, they're both acting. Uh, I can Absolutely. I can see it. I don't know if everybody else can see it. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I missed a few uh, once I got caught up on Van Morrison. Uh, but the last one that I have written down is Ron Paul, because I learned in the last week that Ron Paul is a Freemason. Hmm. And a I've high been level calling Freemason. that out for a while. Hmm. Interesting. I, I have dug into that <laughs> and um, I found, you know, that he denied and I actually had this conversation with Stella because I was like, well, I didn't know, you know, do they have a code that they can, that they lie if that they're Freemasons or not? Because mm-hmm. supposedly he they was can. asked outright they and can't, he said they that he can't was not. lie to other Freemasons about mm-hmm. it, but they can lie to you about it all they want. 100%. Sad. It's uh, complete immunity. Um, Rob Schneider. Now, are we talking about the same? Oh, no, I'm thinking of John Schneider, the actor. Who's Rob Schneider? Also He's a comedian. Yeah, and Adam and Sandler's actor. little buddy. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Not familiar with him. He but did Roseanne, the white... uh, Yeah, I only I only learnt the Roseanne thing about two weeks ago. Um, mm. and I wish I could remember where it was. It was a really good source of info, damn. But um, I mean, no real surprise. But I sort of, yeah, she kind of got me a little bit. I, mean, I, I don't is... listen to her much, but yeah, she just. I just thought, oh yeah, well, good. You know, she's someone calling people out, but obviously not because, yeah, she is. <laughs> No, she's she plays it. She plays like she, you know, she's always admitted that she's really deep into Kabbalah. Like, I think that's no no one is surprised at that. She's been saying that for like 30 years almost. So and I don't even think that that's necessarily bad. But I just think she does it in a way that's very disarming for like normie MAGA people. And I don't even dislike Normie Maga people, but I'm just saying that I think she does it in a way that's very subversive. Like she posted this picture of her in a pink outfit next to Kim Kardashian, also wearing a pink outfit. And they were both clearly doing Kabbalah in the picture and showing Mm -hmm. it to people because that's part of how they do it. And she's like, oh, look at me. I'm making fun of kim kardashian but no she's really doing her own spell that's really what it was so that i think she's fascinating from that perspective of someone like who understands a little bit of kabbalah but i i totally agree with drizzle that it's like completely managed completely manufactured like just totally like i don't know what her faction is i don't know what her team is i don't know what her ideology is even if she has one but it's just it's it's very much for the twitter audience and for the show yeah, okay. Um, Tim of the, so Tim of the Tunnels, hello and welcome, um, on Rumble is saying that Isaac Weishaupt did a um, deep dive on Roseanne's book where she talks about selling her soul and encountering Satan. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I did not know she said that. Because, you know, they can also encode things too. Like they can also say 
those kinds of things. And that could be understood as a magical operation. It doesn't necessarily have to be literal, but obviously she is saying something very transgressive. So I would probably take that as true if she's saying that, because that's something that you can't really walk away from. If you're saying that out loud and telling other people, that's my opinion. Yes, I would not disagree. So my my whole point with throwing these all out, like all out real quick was to kind of like make a game of it. But I will read through the list one more time. And I want I want you all to make up in your mind who you who you think I want to cover, who I actually think is based. This whole list is a question of based or bogus. Like none of these people are for sure one or the other in you know in in terms of the game but you're hitting on some of the people that are certainly maybe slightly bogus but let me read back through it and uh tell me tell me who you think i'm trying to get at so roseanne barr rob schneider tim dylan eric clapton john daly jovan Djokovic, van morrison Nicki minaj alice cooper Ted Nugent, Connor McGregor, Sean Strickland, Evangeline Lilly, Kyrie Irving, Shaq, Tyrese Gibson, Thomas Massey, Rand and Ron Paul, Peter McCullough, Pierre Corey, and then I've got, you know, Canadian truckers and nurses. And I, I put some extra language in there. Um, but that's that's basically the list. I have one of two. Yeah. I think it's one of the two. It's either Alice Cooper or Ted Nugent. <laughs> okay. Ted Nugent, uh, totally based, <laughs> by the way. Oh, I love that is Ted not Nugent. an act. Yeah, I don't think so. He's awesome. Who who Very is Sean Strickland? He's a UFC fighter. Oh, okay. Pretty based, but like only recently kind of rose to prominence. He's almost you could almost argue that he's a bit of a. Um, Oh, what's the fucking guy um, with all the cam girls and he lives in Romania? Andrew. Oh, Tate. Andrew Tate. Yeah. Almost has Andrew Tate vibes. You know, says some cool shit, but like, eh, kind of a douche. <laughs> you know? So anyways, well, I it's think definitely figured out yeah. who it is yeah. that you want to cover because uh, yeah. out of everyone in that list, it's the one person that I have the biggest question about. Okay. And it's not Ron Paul. Yeah. It's Thomas Massey. Yes. He's a big okay. Okay. As well, well, so that's a funny thing. Now I want to just say in case, you know, Ashley, if you're, uh, you're kind of stuck in purgatory, like I cannot let you in currently. Um, I don't know if that oh. is obvious oh, or not, be. but Ashley dropped out and hopefully we can get her back. But yeah, I'll, I'll miss it. You, you bring up a good point, Drizzle. Like Thomas Massey is definitely he's worth covering. He's actually not who I had in mind. Yeah, you almost went the way of like who might be surprised, you know, surprise bogus. I went with the person that I thought was legit, no question, most based. And you guys hit, you know, you hit the nail on the head. When you said Ted, Ted Nugent, I just want to, I want to have a little Ted Nugent appreciation 
for a moment. I'm excited. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. He he cracks me up. All right. Just a (laughs) moment. And here we go. So sick in all my life. The I can't even believe I'm here doing this, but the adrenaline obviously has a life and a power of its own. But oh. I could barely crawl out of bed. Rocker Ted Nugent says he has COVID. In a video on Facebook Live, the rocker said he had flu-like symptoms for 10 days. And as you heard him say, he thought he was dying. Despite his diagnosis, Nugent continues to downplay the virus. He previously called the pandemic a, quote, scam and says there's no reason to get tested, wear a mask or distance from others. If one of your children came home and said, Dad, I'm gay, how would you react to that? I'd say, uh, get the gun. Let's go kill a deer. (laughs) Inconsequential. You wouldn't mind morally? Not at all. I'm repulsed at the concept of man on man sex. I think it's against nature. Uh, I think it's strange as hell, but if that's what you are, I love you. Do you believe it's morally wrong? You have suggested that before. Uh, you know, I'm not going to judge another's morals. You judge people all the time. I, yeah, I, sometimes you have to. I have to judge my bass player, and that's why I've got the greatest bass player in the world. No, I say li- live and let live. I, like I said, gay, go nuts. Uh, Martians, cool. Go nuts. I really don't care. What, what are your you? kids for arguments? They came back and said, "Look, Dad." And I, I, I wish you could meet all my kids. They're I'd all love wonderful. to. I'd love to. I'm Great sure people. they'd be very entertaining if awesome. like you. But if they came back and said, "Right, Dad, I've got some bad news. I'm gay. I'm a vegan. I don't That's... believe in don't believe in hunting. I don't believe in firearms." Go nuts. Happy? I'm absolutely happy. None of, Welcoming. Not, ultimately, family all, values guy. Ultimately, in you come. ultimately, all that stuff is inconsequential for the spirit of an individual. Well, you say I have friends that are vegans, and no, we no, love no. each you other. See, but this I have friends that are gay. No, but wait, this, I have friends that hate guns, this doesn't but I'm going to fix them. Every state has laws on the books regarding hunting, fishing, and trapping that are insane. Insane. And so, hunters, if somebody tells you you have to have a minimum draw weight for a bow, don't even bother asking them why. Shemaine kills everything with 30 pounds and Hoyt killed everything in North America with a 35 pound recurve and a cedar arrow minimum draw weight none of your business um lighted sight pins when I'm in a ground blind I can't see the pins I want an ethical kill I need to see my sight pins why why would you have a law against a luminoc and a lighted sight pin are you kidding me why do I have to have my bow in a case why in Illinois do I have to have my bow in a case? What, the, what role does a bow case play in wildlife management? Every state has. Here we go. Here we go. He's outspoken. On stage, I will say what I damn please. He's irreverent. A one, two, three, splat. He's dedicated. I represent certainly the tip of the culture war spirit, guns. He's confident. You can tell right now that if you argue with me on this, you will die. Intellectually, of course. He's rock guitar legend and Second Amendment advocate Ted Nugent, and he's no stranger to being provocative. I'm not provocative. I'm almost almost like a little puppy dog compared to these monsters. (laughs) 
The Texas Tribune sat down with the Motor City Madman before his concert in Hidalgo, Texas, to talk politics, bears, the Secret Service, Rick Perry, Mitt Romney, and the world according right, to Ted. Does this not scare the living out of you? Recently, Nugent has drawn attention from the Secret Service after comments he made at the NRA convention about the president. Barack Obama becomes the president in November again. I will either be dead or in jail by this time next year. If Obama is elected, I will either be dead or in jail because I'm on his enemies list. And if they come and get my guns and if they come to take my property, I will either be dead or in jail. Do you really find any ambiguity in that? You got interviewed by the Secret Service. That has got to be that that that's never happened before, right? This was the first time I was officially interviewed, but let's be perfectly clear. How did that clear. go? What was that like? It was awesome. Really? I couldn't have been more confident. Have you noticed that about me? I could not have been more confident that what I did was harmless, except in inspiring people to register and vote and to vote for good people and, get, and vote out bad people. While Nugent's comments make him a target for liberal critics, they have turned him into a hot political commodity for conservatives. Walk me through the Mitt Romney endorsement situation, because there's been some questions about that. Like, did he call He called you? Like, he called you on your cell phone or what? How did that go down? He did call me on my cell phone after I authorized that he could. Stood right there. I said, all right, everybody. Mitt Romney is either going to vow or, or not vow no more gun restrictions. Can I expect you to live up to your word? No more restrictions on our Second Amendment. He said, absolutely. You supported Rick Perry in the GOP I wish contest, he was president right? right now, man. My problems would be over. <laughs> Rick Perry's a great man. Um, he stumbled terribly in the debates. I don't know who that Rick Perry was. That's not the Rick Perry I've ever witnessed. I've watched him eloquently represent American leadership in every speech I ever saw him give. In the, the position of governor of Texas, he, he is our great leader. I have great faith in Rick. And he's stumbled. We all stumble. Um, but those of us that are in the public eye, you know, we don't know where you stumbled um, because you get to do it behind closed doors. We don't. Um, so we're all human. Prosecutors with the U.S. Attorney's Office in Alaska announced that Nugent pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor for exceeding his limit during a 2009 bear hunt. He was ordered to pay a $10,000 fine, give up his rights to hunt bears in the state for one year, and promise to air public service announcements on his hunting show, Ted Nugent, Spirit of the Wild. I pled guilty to the Alaska bear law violation because I'm guilty of the Alaska bear law violation. So I, I plead ignorant of the law, which is no excuse. That's the title of my piece. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. So I pled no contest, by all estimation, saving myself my entire savings, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, what the attorney said would take possibly years because these guys are after you. And to get Mitch to, to drop the felony charges against my buddy, that's why I did that. And I'm saying an official right on tape and right for you to accurately represent. And you think I'm not a target? I am the most law-abiding hunter that ever walked the face of the earth. And while Ted is convinced the left is out to get him. And so the left hates me because I so beautifully 
promote sustained yield scientific management of wildlife resources. It's called hunting and fishing and trapping. Ooh. And all my life, since the 60s. And I promote the right to self-defense, as outlined in our Second Amendment. He does have a view of the country that he refuses to negotiate. What is America? Defiance. All right. So, <laughs> you know, you know who Ted Nugent reminds me of? I'll give you I'll give you one guess. Uh, hmm, not Trump. Crazy Uncle Rob. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted him. Oh, yeah, I. I sent him the link. He, uh, you know, yeah. he hasn't joined, but I, I wish he would have because it cracks me up when I see Ted Nugent talk. I'm like, this is Rob, and I've hung out with Rob in person, yeah. so I can I can say that. <laughs> yeah, he's excellent. I, d- I mean, like I never was a Ted Nugent fan, as in music, but once I didn't really pay much attention to him at all, to be honest. Um, but once COVID hit and I started seeing him speaking out and stuff, well, it might have even been slightly before COVID, actually. Either way, it was just like this instant, oh, my gosh, I never realized this man is in, like this incredible man. So, yeah, really, um, I always thought he'd make an excellent president, although he'd never do that because he's not an idiot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, excellent man. I think it's interesting that the left has always hated him. Like, I remember being like a younger person in the early 2000s and the left just hated him even back then i think even in the 90s there was always like shit with him and they were always like they were really out to get him i don't think that's any mild paranoia or anything i think that's completely true i think they've always really hated ted nugent Uh, i think he said something i can't remember it was not really racist it was just like racially coded and they just had like a meltdown about it and it's always with him. So obviously the Second Amendment stuff is their weakness. And that is where he's the most based. So, yeah, based for me. You know, what are your we're, thoughts, Drizzle? Yeah, Driz, I, I want to hear your thoughts. I was going to say I'll well, play. I, I gave my thoughts before we started watching all the cool videos. Right? I've <laughs> always thought he was the most based. Yeah, most based. Like I, I can't stand his music. I cannot call myself a fan of Ted Nugent music because I'm not. Uh, but I'm, I'm absolutely a fan of Ted Nugent, the man. I always have been. I love outspoken people. Like we yeah. need more people like Ted mm-hmm. Nugent in this Un- world. And I'm saying absolutely. that because I know that there are people watching right now that just got triggered. Unapologetically. <laughs> unapologetically outspoken correct yeah, yeah. No, so, i'm totally totally aligned with drizzle on that one what do you guys think um we're not on youtube tonight so i think we could get away with it i want to play this one particular ted nugent song from 1978 because i think it like applies to i thought about just reading the lyrics but i you know that's kind of lame what do you think can we get away with it you think the lawyers are going to come breaking down my door or no, no, man. I publish my stuff on rumble all the time. You're good. All right. All right. Cool. This song is called storm Troopin. Mm-hmm. 
All right. That's that's the the gist of the lyrics. And in case you couldn't quite make them out, I'll just read you the good ones. In the early morning hours, there's a din in the air. Mayhem's on the loose. Stormtroopers coming, and you better be prepared. No time to choose. Get ready, get ready. Stormtroopers coming. Get ready, get ready. Stormtroopers coming. Coming down the streets, jackboots stepping high. Gotta make a stand. They're looking in your windows, listening to your phone. Keep a gun in your hand. Once again, this is from 1978. So he's been pretty fucking consistent. Mm-hmm. And best like- Ted Nugent song I've ever heard, by the way. And I don't mm. really like his music either. Definitely not my genre. But a totally good song. Totally agree. I freaking love 70s rock and roll. I mean, Deep Purple, buddy, Ronnie James Dio, Budgie, love it all. I mean, Stranglehold is my favorite Ted Nugent song. Y'all know that one? I mean, it's his best known song. Um, <laughs> did y'all see his uh, his clip about the sheep? Yes, that was classic. Oh, this is the best. We gotta, we gotta just play this real quick. Uh, let's see, is this the good one? I've forgotten some of those album covers here. <laughs> here, we'll play. Uh, yes, let us watch it thusly. I don't want to play the five-minute one. We'll just go with this forty-two second. Oh, hang on. It is a worth. Well, would you speak to the people who believe it is a worthwhile vaccine and it is saving lives? Are they just dead wrong? Are they been fed a fed a line from the federal government? Tim, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to the people that went ahead and got the jab. I speak their language. I would speak to them thusly. They understand that. <laughs> I want that as a ringtone. <laughs> ah, that's excellent. Drizzy, you're muted. Yeah, I was muted, but we lost Mike. What happened? We oh my did. god! And Ashley, oh, here we are. Oh, there he is. Sorry, I, wow. I, I I hit the wrong button. But you guys got the picture. <laughs> <Sure did>. <laughs> <laughs> I had not seen that. I had up to the up to the moment that aired, like that was the funniest thing that I saw all of COVID. (laughs) Totally, totally, because it just it caught me completely by surprise. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, he's definitely the most outspoken out of the whole world. Basically, I think on this, Mm -hmm. genuinely, like he's he's authentic. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is. When I was putting this list together in the back of my mind, like I'm, I'm listing out names of people I can think of that like spoke out against the vaccine, right? You know, Nicki Minaj, Kyrie Irving, Eric Clapton. Nicki so is kind of based too. I will say like, I yeah, hate yeah, yeah. her music, but she is kind of based on She is kind of based. People yeah. hate her and she <laughs> yeah. claps back and that's what makes her based as well as Azalea Banks. I will just yeah. say also kind yeah. of based. Um, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, who is that 1970s rocker that I just can't remember the name of? And I tried to Google like anti-vax classic rock, uh, you know, blah, blah. I was trying to find 
it took me like a while to be like, oh shit, Ted Nugent, that's the guy. That's the fucking guy. But it's like they almost want to wipe him off the map. He does not pop up in Google. He's not in the Rolling Stones articles about like anti-vax rock and rollers. Like it's almost like he's the one they want to completely ignore. Yeah, because he doesn't play a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you have to play the game in order to be included, you know, in all the other reindeer games. Like you have to play the big game. And he doesn't play the big game. He never has. Yeah, I think he's made himself fairly untouchable. I mean, try mm-hmm. going to his ranch to arrest him. <laughs> Good luck with that. 100%. Drizzle, you kind of had a great tweet about exactly what you just said, just in a different, you sort of said it in a different way. Do you, were you directing that towards anyone in particular, or do you just think that there is a certain level of fame or success <laughs> that one has in alternative media or higher or lower that? Well, it's just, it's not just alternative media, it's all media because. No, I agree with you. Again, at the end of the day, even things like StreamYard have ultimately have owners, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they can go to the owners of StreamYard and and be like, look, we're going to put a Godfather deal in your lap. Make the right choice. Kick these people off, right? And more than likely, the, the owners of StreamYard would do that. It's all controlled. All mm-hmm. media is controlled. Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's ultimately the point that I was trying to make with that tweet, because I believe I know the one that you're uh, referring to, uh, where I ended it by saying, but maybe it's just gas. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's yeah. the exact one. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also so it's like a, <laughs> it's a, a multi tool, right? Like that type of tweet is a multi tool. Number one, it's to get to basically the, the normies, the base level, the audience and kind of plant that seed in their head that what they're observing might not be 100% legitimate, right? Like to, to kind of just put that in there and, and see what their subconscious does with it. Then on the next level for the people who know how the game is played, that's an acknowledgement that, I know what the fuck's going on and I know how you got to the position that you're at and you can deny it all you want, but the more you deny it just means that eventually it's going to come out one day and you're going to be exposed for the fraud that you are. And again, planting a seed on a different level and maybe that makes some of these people melt down and expose themselves. Yeah. He, he, good on you. Drizzle, would you would you say that the owners have a stranglehold on the media? Play it, Mike. Just play it.
I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play the whole thing, but I love that intro. Um, I love this song. Like it's honestly one of my favorites, which is why it's kind of embarrassing that it took me so long to realize Ted Nugent was the name I was searching for. But these these lines, uh, he says, "Tell it's me by the clamor now, baby." You know, I love in that interview where he talks about like you might have noticed. I'm pretty confident. Like he has no self doubt. <laughs> I love that. I fucking love that. Now I've been smoking for so long, baby. You know I'm here to stay. Got you in a stranglehold, baby. Best get out of my way. I, you know, it's so that's that's some that's some good shit right there. Yeah, he has BDE, big dick energy. Big dick energy, bro. <laughs> big time. I tell you what, he sings. Um, you know, with yeah. the same with that same attitude and um, that's something that the TV studio sound guys should really bear in mind when they have Ted Nugent into the studio because he's just like, oh, turn up the compression, you know. <laughs> it's distorting everything. It's funny. He distorts the audio. He distorts everything. He, <laughs> the whole presence is distorting. <laughs> yeah. Bloody great. I mean, what a great voice too. What an excellent voice. Great range. Speaking of, speaking of great voices, what's up, Ando? How we doing? Hey, Ando. Hey, hey what's up, Mike the Polymath? How are we doing today? Good, bro. Glad Good to, to be see joining you. you. Glad we're talking about the Nuge. The uh, Nuge. Yeah. <laughs> Ted is, it, he's pretty fucking based. I've seen some of the, the shit that he posts, and it, it's like he's he's right there with us on a lot of things. Um, he might be... He might be a little bit of a sucker for the uh, for Con Inc., but at the same time, he's he's pretty based. The only thing I don't like about him is the bear hunting, but you know, whatever. Okay, well, you say that Stella, but like he's probably hunting brown bear, and that's like actually pretty reasonable. They need to have their populations managed. Now, That's a culling he did, thing. Okay. Yeah. He did he did get charged with exceeding his tag. Um but you know in a way like I respect the fact that he owned it. He's like, yeah, like I I broke the rules. You know, he still well, is is like pretty outspoken against you know, I I like that his central thing is hunting and second amendment rights and like fair uh and like sustainable yield he he makes some good points the um the regulations on hunters are are sometimes fairly i don't know erroneous like he was talking about how you're required to have certain types of sights on your bow you have to have a case for your bow like all these all these kind of bullshit regulations where it's like you could get fined for any number of things. Any thoughts, anybody? Before we shift away from Ted Nugent, 
I'll just say for someone who do- who never really knew who he was, like yes, I always knew he was like a, gun- a Second Amendment guy. I can totally appreciate him in that way. Like, if there's any issue that you can stand up for, that is definitely the issue. And I don't know. He just, I like him. Uh, you you won me over with him, Mike. Well, and to be fair, to be fair, he's like not even half extreme, half as extreme as us. Like, he still votes. He still believes in the process. He's a hardcore, you know, Republican conservative. Um, so, like... Well, he's a boomer. He's so, a boomer. I mean, of course, he's, he's going to do all of those things. Yeah, right, right. He's got a little. Fud, he's got a little fud bone in his body. Mm-hmm. You know, he believes yeah. in it. He believes in it. That's all. So, just, y'all, you're the yeah. deer wasting disease. You've heard of this yeah, situation, chronic, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chronic yeah. wasting. So, yeah, yeah. He he believes that uh, that uh, I was hearing this on Timeline Earth. Uh, when bird did the 12 days of bird miss, he had a conversation. I can't remember the guy he was talking to his name, but it was about this deer wasting disease. And Ted Nugent believes that the reason why they came up with this thing was to scare everybody so they could disarm hunters, uh, thus giving no more reason for a second amendment, according to them, you know, and basically take our rights away using this whole situation. Uh, if I if I may, before we go away from Ted, I need to make a little correction here. Thank you, Sir Tim of the Tunnels. That actually says, a stranglehold is sung by Derek St. Holmes, although Ted does sing the sometimes you want to get high lines. So me never go, going into Ted Nugent's music, I did not know that, although maybe I should have, some will claim, but I did not. <laughs> so thank hmm. you for uh, correcting that. Yeah, that's, that's news to me too. Um, but it is a pretty falsetto kind of voice, so doesn't totally shock me. Very, very um, typical of the 70s, yes. So in my mind, that was kind of wrapping up our 2023 uh, Baster Bogus series, if you will. Like I gave the honorable mentions and we covered the guy that I felt like we should have covered, but we never did. But now I want to take us into the new year. 2024 and the funny thing about this particular story is that it ties a lot of other stories kind of together so let me let me play this for a bit and uh and we'll take it from there in the aftermath of aaron Rodgers' latest appearance on the pat mcavee show on espn jimmy kimmel also a Disney employee on ABC, just like ESPN is owned by Disney, had a complete and total meltdown. The former comedian, and we have to say former at this point, the dude hasn't been funny in a decade. The former comedian, Jimmy Kimmel, apparently could not take a joke as he went off in this Twitter post threatening to sue Aaron Rodgers for what he said. The joke he made about some people not wanting the Epstein client list to come out. Despite the fact that Jimmy Kimmel was the one that started this shit all the way back last year when he insinuated that Aaron Rodgers was insane for even thinking there was a thing like the Epstein client list. Remember this shit? Jimmy Kimmel started this. To say all this UFO talk has the tinfoil hatters going wild, including Green Bay whack packer Aaron Rodgers, who offered this hot take on the Pat McAfee show. I, I believe that this has been going on for a long time. Interesting uh, timing on everything. 
There's a lot of other things going on in the world. Did you hear about the Epstein client list uh, about to be released too? What's that? What are you talking about? There's some files that have, have some names on it that might be uh, getting released pretty soon. Oh. Oh. <laughs> might be time to revisit that concussion protocol, Aaron. <laughs> so keep in mind, Jimmy Kimmel, a year and a half ago, right? Jimmy Kimmel insinuated that, that Aaron Rodgers is fucking dumb or stupid for thinking there's a list, period. That is why Aaron Rodgers made these comments about Jimmy Kimmel. That's why this fucking happened. This has something to do with the Epstein list that came out? <laughs> Feels like, <laughs> Feels like. That's supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out soon. Look, this guy's been it's waiting in his wine people. cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in my wine <laughs> cellar for this thing. That's a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't happen. <laughs> All right. Now, some people, if you don't know the history, if you don't know the fact that Jimmy Kimmel's the one that started this, you might think, well, he's just saying Jimmy Kimmel must be on the list. That's not what he said. It's the fact that Jimmy Kimmel, you know, was making fun of him for even thinking it was a thing. And then Jimmy Kimmel comes out, for the record, I've never met with, flown with, visited, had any contact, nor will you find me on a list. Your reckless word put my family in danger. Keep it up. We'll debate the facts further in court at Aaron Rodgers. Jimmy Kimmel is a fucking pussy-ass bitch. But the real question was how would Pat McAfee respond? Because when Pat McAfee decided to take this ESPN contract, people thought, how's it going to change the show? Well, Pat McAfee has apologized for his and his show's role in this entire thing. Now, it's not some, you know, get on my knees and beg for forgiveness thing, but he did have a discussion to begin the show yesterday, two days ago, whenever this was I'm a little late to the story, but I had to talk about it because ESPN owned by Disney. Jimmy Kimmel's ABC owned by Disney. You knew they couldn't like what happened. And it looks like Pat McAfee's been forced to put out some sort of apology. It's kind of a long-winded, tough to track. It's like a lot of Pat McAfee stuff. I watch the show a lot. You know, they're gonna they're gonna go in this way, that way, off on this tangent. Let's listen to a little bit of this. And on the flip side, there could be some things that were certainly probably, I mean, uh, we're going to have to hear from Aaron on that, meant to be shit talk joke that can then become something that is obviously a very serious allegation mm -hmm. that then leads to a massive overnight story, uh, one in which, well, put baby down, sleep, haven't seen her in a while, and then yeah. I pick up my phone. Yeah. Oh, uh -oh. boy. But I can see exactly why Jimmy Kimmel felt the way he felt, especially with his position. But I think Aaron was just trying to talk shit. Now, did it go too far? Uh, and a lot of people, uh, Jimmy Kimmel certainly said that was the yeah. case. I think what happened are media members, people in the media started gaslighting everybody and say Aaron Rodgers said that he was on Epstein's list. When again, if you know the history, if you know what I just showed you, that this all started when Aaron Rodgers made a comment about the list and Jimmy Kimmel insinuated he was stupid or needed to be in concussion protocol for even believing there was a list. And now Jimmy Kimmel's being forced to deny that he was ever on any list. It's funny how that works, how the, the goalposts have shifted a little bit from that unfunny bitch. We and I immediately upon it happening, trying to be like, Ooh, you know, but that is Aaron and Jimmy. They've been uh, jousting a bit. I don't know, you know. So, like, we obviously don't like the fact that we're associated with anything negative ever. We like our show to be an uplifting one, a happy one, a fun one. But it's because we talk shit and try to make light of everything. Mm -hmm. Some things, obviously, people get very pissed off about, especially when they're that serious allegations. So we apologize for being a part of it. Can't wait to hear what Aaron has to say about it. Hopefully, those two will just be able to settle this, you know? Okay. So, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, based or bogus? I want to know if Jimmy was on the list, like for real, for real. 
Well, he says he wasn't. Yeah, but he, he, he said, said, yeah, he said loudly, you know, me yeah. thinkest he, thou, he said very thou vehemently doth, on Twitter yeah. in public me, that me he would not be found on that list. Me thinkest doth, thou protesteth too much. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I see it differently. I, I think yeah. it's actually a uh, uh, a more aggressive response than than what was actually warranted. Which well, that's my point. Would that's, lead that's me to believe exactly that we're not likely to find Jimmy Kimmel's name on that list. Although honestly, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it is on the list. But it kind of makes me think that uh, he was actually offended uh, by that accusation, and that he believes he has made it to where he has in his career on his own merit. Because he thinks he has. I, I honestly would not be surprised if there is no connection between Jeffrey Epstein and Jimmy Kimmel at all. I think he's a complete dumbass who's been used his entire career. Well, supposedly Jimmy Kimmel is actually very close friends with a certain chef. Who I heard was, that. Wow. Who, who was Jeffrey Ep Epstein's private chef for a time. What was his name? Borgland or Borgo or something? I, Anthony. I couldn't. I couldn't say. Was but that, there is. There is. Bordeaux. A Anthony Bordeaux. Is that confirmed? Name, is that confirmed? Or uh, because there's a lot of rumors that came out. That after might. This. It could just. It could be rumors. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it doesn't matter if Jimmy's on the go? list or not. He's he sucks and he he mm -hmm. sucks off all of these people. He would you know if there if he knew people that were actually on the list. He would cover for them because he he covers for the regime. That's what he does for a living now. Hundred percent. He has no integrity whatsoever. He's just a, a media whore, like they're really, a lot of people. They're really ringing the um com the comedy industry dry, aren't they? They've really taken hold of the comedians and used them like tools, and really broken down the well, segregated, you have to. broken down the comedy. Yeah, of course. You have to. I mean, we don't want anyone. Anything are the keep the uh, spirits. Of, yeah. They're keeping yeah. the human well, spirit no, the, um, the, alive. The comedians, happy, so. our stand-up comics are our modern-day rhetoricians, right? Mm -hmm. They're yeah. the people who have the skills and the talents to be able to challenge the powerful in public and get yeah. away with it. Mm -hmm. And if they're not yeah. part of the equation, then you basically have no opposition whatsoever. They're wordsmiths, and it's quite subtle the way they can steer, but it's very powerful, isn't it? Because it's not mm -hmm. sort of in your face. It's just the, oh, <laughs> it's just a joke. So, yeah, very influential. But, yeah, nice well, so, so, so Jimmy Kimmel is a media man. Aaron Rodgers is a football player. And Pat McAfee is both. He, Pat McAfee, actually, he lives in Indianapolis. He was a Colts player. He hosts his show from my city and everybody loves you know pat mcafee he's like the bad boy of indianapolis he famously was arrested for skinny dipping in the canal that runs right through downtown Is and this so the like same canal that you got uh, a ticket for not having a life jacket on and <laughs> no that was at a that was a reservoir not a canal but uh Thank you for bringing that up. 
no this, <laughs> this is like it's like a city like river walk type of thing um and yeah apparently pat mcafee was drunk as piss and like skinny dipped at three in the morning and the cops came and like pulled him out of the fucking canal so people like the guy you know and and he's friends mm. with aaron Rodgers. But in my opinion, he basically threw Aaron under the bus. Even though he tried his best not to, he apologized on behalf of Disney. And he basically said, like, well, I hope that I hope that Jimmy and Aaron can work it out between the two of them. But like he apologized for letting for platforming Aaron Rodgers. Correct. Right. He, he he had to take part in a public humiliation ritual. That's what we were watching. Yeah, that so he, sounds still, about he, right. has, he still has Aaron Rodgers on all the time, though, right? I mean, like he's or yeah. is this just the end of their well their time together well, on we'll, TV? We'll see. We'll see. So this was last okay. Tuesday. This was this past Tuesday. He, Aaron comes on the show every Tuesday. Now I I, I pulled this up. I made this meme. Um, I'm not even a football guy. Okay, but because I know like the the uh, personalities at play, I feel like I can talk on it. But it's the Reno 911 scene where (laughs) I forget the character's name, but um, it's the guy in roller skates. That's like super effeminate. Terry, Terry, Terry. Thank you. Yeah, and he goes, "I was murdered," and the cops are like, "You weren't murdered. You're, you're like you're intact. You're you're fine." <laughs> but instead, so Jimmy Kimmel's the one saying, "I was murdered," and then uh, Lieutenant Dangle is Aaron Rodgers saying, "Use a bitch," and then Pat McAfee's over here just saying, "I want to get paid." You know, like <laughs> that's the best way I could summarize it. You know, I'm like Pat McAfee, like fuck you dude like you should have your homies back he had his show it was like the biggest independent sports commentary show on the internet and espn bought it he used to be able to say anything he fucking wanted to with no repercussions how much did he get paid that's what i would want to know that's a good question i don't know um But now, now he's got to do Disney's bidding. You know, it's like you are a little bitch. You know, Jimmy Kimmel's the biggest little bitch, but Pat McAfee is a little bitch too. I'm like, I'm, I'm on Team Aaron Rodgers, man. Even though I, you know, I'm a Colts fan. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers was careful about the way he spoke too. Whenever he's, he Always. said that too. He, he because somebody said said oh do you think he's on the list and Aaron said no I think that he I, I think that he doesn't want the list to come out or is yep. or yep. like he yeah yeah he didn't say that he said that he thought he was on the list and so no, the yeah. funny part about it was the way that that Jimmy overreacted immediately to that Big and time. um yeah I I think Kimmel's probably going to be over pretty soon just I, I I can't see him having good ratings. I don't know. He maybe he does, but but acting like this just doesn't do well for his brand. It doesn't help him at I, all. I would be curious to know if uh, which which show gets better viewership, the Pat McAfee show or Jimmy Kimmel. I would almost guess maybe the Pat McAfee show. Well, yeah, because the late night shows like. 
weren't on television for most of 2023. So I, even though I guess supposedly they're back now, I think maybe, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't watch TV anymore. Well, I haven't for years, oh, but wait, Colbert's out though. Cause he's got the coof again. Oh, okay. So they are actually making we, shows again. Um, no, we can assume that Colbert's out because he's got the coof because he's been I out. I can't like, imagine anybody's actually it. watching them though. Like who's actually watching network television anymore? Like I under think, the age of, of 75. I don't know anybody. Yeah. Nobody. I guess people that clip stuff for TikTok and Twitter. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> he gets some views on YouTube. Like you can, if you look up like his show, when they pop it on YouTube, he will get like 5 million views sometimes. It's actually quite crazy. Half, half of those views though, are libertarian podcasters making fun of him. <laughs> right. And the, the other and half are bought by the production company. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> if you're a libertarian, you have a podcast. That's just default. It's, yeah. Well, I think Aaron knew what he was getting into. I don't think Aaron took it personally. I think that John said it in a very milk toast way. That's just my opinion. I just think he just kind of said it. Yes, that's how the game is played. He got a call from Nickelodeon. Aaron knows. I think Aaron's totally like down with it. Like, I don't think you can be a big time football player without being like a higher level Mason or whatever shit they do. Like, I, I just don't think it's possible. I, I actually disagree. Um, like, I think professional sports is one of the few things that is, you know, at its core, like a meritocracy. I'm not saying there's not fuckery afoot and there's not a certain amount of control being exerted, but like the thing about Aaron Rodgers, the reason I'm inclined to say he might be pretty based, it's kind of like what Aaron or what um, Ando said. Like he, he chooses his words very, very carefully. He first was a big controversy because the, the mainstream media claimed that he lied about his vaccination status. And they were able to do that because he was asked in an interview, sort of like, are you vaccinated? And he chose to play it kind of tongue in cheek and just say yes, because the interviewer didn't ask what he was vaccinated for. Yeah, she didn't specify. Oh, wait, didn't he say that I've been immunized? Yeah, I think he said something yeah, along something the like lines that. of that, so, that because that. he meant yeah. that he was immunized by having the virus and surviving it. Um, that might have been it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the words that he chose. Uh, but he didn't say that he had, he had injected himself with any of the toxic sludge that they give us. Um, yeah, I, I think he's pretty based. I think he's extremely talented. Uh, but what sucks about Aaron Rodgers and as much as I'm going to say based, he went from the Packers where he's adored, extremely adored uh, by the Packers because he was a career Packer for the most part. Then he gets goes to the Jets. Who owns the Jets? Woody Johnson, my best friend Woody Johnson with his Ukrainian wife. So Woody Johnson, Johnson and Johnson, he's got money coming out of his you-know-what. Yeah, so that's he went to go work for somebody 
who owns a vaccine company. And and so like as anti-vax as Aaron Rodgers is, he's working for them. No matter what what on that. That's who cuts his check. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, you know, he has the um benefit of a contract. You know, it's it's almost like the relationship between a union worker and the employer. Like he has this union contract that separates him from his employer. You know, the thing about pro sports, like I said, it's an inherent uh meritocracy so i have i have a personal friend former client who played for the indianapolis pacers you know pro pro basketball i'll i'll refrain from using his name because uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna share some info but he was one of the few you know nba players that refused the vax and him and i talked about it Ooh. at length and he was treated for about two two years. He was treated as a second-class citizen within the NBA. He had to stay in a separate floor of the hotel. He had to cha- you know, take daily COVID tests. He went through some bullshit. Now, don't get me wrong. He's still making buku bucks. So, like, I'm not going to shed a tear. And I'm not asking anybody else to. But he put up with some bullshit just because he didn't want to take the jab. Now, he went the way of kind of keeping his mouth shut. He wasn't real outspoken. But he was like a quiet supporter of of Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers and other guys that were doing the same thing. And he's a hardcore Christian. And becoming friends with this guy, you know, working for him. And now, like, we text he, he bought a copy of my book. He just started reading it. You know, like, he's he's a real motherfucker. Wait a second. Wait a second. What's the name of your book, and where can people get a hold of it? <laughs> you got to get better go, at this, Mike. Sell it. Yeah. Sell it. <laughs> you can hey go. Dude, you 2029. Can, you, hey, dude, 2029. Go to tips. But my point is, like, these people are still just people. Like if you've never met one and be befriended one, you can put them up on a pedestal and pretend like they're in a different league. But when you're their when you're their gardener, when you're their landscaper, and you actually know them on a personal level, it's like Aaron Rodgers isn't some like superhuman. He's just a guy. Does that jive? I mean, am I crazy? Like, I think I, True. I think we got to. True. We got to. We got to. Yeah. I I remember well, I mean, enjoying uh, his appearance on. Oh. I was just gonna say that's true of all of us. We're all just people. It's it's all the other people that that put people on pedestals, right? And start developing hero complexes, and you know. Uh, outsourcing their agency to a face that they see on a screen. That's where things start getting murky and start getting messy. Mm -hmm. You know, believe it or not, Angelina Jolie was once just a person too. I'm not quite sure what she is now. 
Well, you got a point there. You got yeah. you got a point, Drizzle. Um, I think they can get corrupted, but like I, you know, when I look into the eyes of the guy that I know personally, like he's still a guy. You know, I think you can get to a certain point of, I don't know, stardom corruption where you cease to behave like a normal person. But like, I don't know. Like I, I'm I personally, if we're gonna take a tally, maybe we should. I'm voting based with Aaron Rodgers. That's my vote. I, I definitely said based, um, but I, I do have a problem with the Woody Johnson relationship. Um, yeah, the uh, the biggest problem with sports in general is that it's always pushing propaganda, regardless of it being a meritocracy or not. There, I, I mean, you see it in the stadium when you go there. I, I went to a football game a couple weekends ago first time going to a real live nfl game i've been outside of them many many times but going inside totally different experience um but yeah all the sports are pushing whatever the current thing is what do y'all well, think uh aaron well, Rodgers based or bogus come on y'all real quick real quick i'll say um you know we we mentioned this concept of like how attention is kind of like a currency like a power like a magic mm-hmm. thing in its own right so mm-hmm. like anybody that has this much attention put on them like has the potential to um, be corrupted by it just the power of that attention by itself which is why we should be skeptical i i imagine maybe Jin has some thoughts you know what i am not a sports person or a sports dude so I will defer to the three of you, to the three, uh, like, boys. I don't know if the girls have any opinion on this, but, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and, I, and I'm open to that. But I, I just feel like I know that the Prince Hall Masons are so big in um, football for specific communities. I just have a hard time believing that the other branches or the other secret societies aren't as um influential in this in in sports in general but maybe that's just me being extra conspiratoid so i'm i'm open to being wrong about that that's all i have well i think i'm going to give my answer uh cryptically as i do most things and that is to point out that the number one occupation of nfl referees is lawyer that's what they do Monday through Friday. They're they're not out practicing their refereeing skills, folks. That that's something I've never heard. Um, and well, they have. It sort of makes sense because, in a way, like you know, football is almost like chess for human beings. I've thought about this before. It's like you know. You've got your your kings, your rooks, your bishops, your pawns. Mm-hmm. You're setting them up on the chessboard, and you're you're doing these plays. Mm-hmm. And the referees are the ones that supposedly like maintain the rules. Mm-hmm. So it it seems actually kind of fitting that they would be lawyers by occupation because the rules fucking matter. Mm-hmm. So. James Evan it's Blatt not the rules that matter. It's the interpretation of the rule that matters. Mm-hmm. 
I think we might have actually discussed this, Ashley and Stella. I think we might have just very recently discussed how the archetype of the lawyer plays such an important role in the governance of our society. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. So, are we going to do a uh, plug on that, Jim? I was waiting for the rest. Of it. <laughs> oh, I was. I thought that I was going to let Ashley jump in because I haven't heard her voice in a long time. Yeah, we were. Yeah. We right. lost you for a moment there, Ash. Oh my God! Tell me about it. I'm having, having major having trouble. Tech issues. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think my laptop is basically fried or something. Like the battery. I just saw my battery charge just dropping quickly. It was. It should have been charging in our like while we were talking. It should have been totally fine. And it dropped off. So now I'm on a, like, I had to get another laptop in here, different setup. Now <laughs> I'm like, I can hear myself in my headphones now. So that's weird. <laughs> um, but no, Jen, go ahead and, and uh, plug, plug that topic, please. Because I'm, uh, that threw me off my game. I'm a little distracted. <laughs> oh, no problem. Sorry about that, Ashley. No, uh, that's well, Stella, Ashley, and I just did a pirate kind of episode on my... It's currently on my feed. Hopefully, it will also go on Union of Unknowns eventually. Um, but we did it on uh, the Kabbalah of Jupiter, the 33rd Olympic Games, how important the archetype of the lawyer, which is the archetype of Jupiter, is in kind of the rule-based order, we could say. And as well as the, I just think it's interesting that Drizzle brought up the referees being lawyers. I did not know that. And that they also were black and white. And then what Mike said about on the chessboard, that's also black and white. I mean, that's very Masonic, if we want to, you know, say that it is. And they call plays and they call rules and they get to decide how far they want to stretch the rules or rubber band them back in, you know, like stringency and mercy. I think those are very interesting words to use to describe what they do. So I'll just leave it at that. The other, the other thing I think it reminds me of, it's like our modern uh, gladiators and the, the modern take on the, on the Coliseum. And I think we'll, we'll come back around to that in a little while too, but I, you know, any other thoughts before I shift gears? Yeah, I wanted to chime in that I personally think that Aaron Rodgers is bogus. That's my take. Um, I think that he's one of the similar to a lot of the other people that you originally listed that were saying good things. But I also and I didn't do a deep dive on this, but I heard him recently. At least he was someone said that Aaron Rodgers said that uh, journalists should be identified by their back status. So if that is true then how are you any better than somebody trying to force you to have a vaccine? You're just on the opposite side, but you're pushing the same narrative that you should have to prove that you are or are not vaccinated, first of all. Second of all, he has a weird-ass tattoo. Um, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he had a forearm tattoo that he got that had some like weird looking kind of Masonic stuff. And I personally am in the camp that the NFL is totally fake and gay at this point. Um, and I also think that the recently there was an article that was put out after I feel like it was a lions game and somebody else. And it was like a really important game. And the plays were at the end of the game, it was a really bad call and it cost 
the Lions the game. And when people were looking back, they were like, no, this was a horrible call. But it just goes to show how much power that the referees do have in that game. And knowing what a huge betting industry sports mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. is, I think that that's a yeah. little too much power and a little too much corruptibility. And then I also feel like something has been really fishy with the NFL, especially under the Roger Goodell leadership mm-hmm. and something that this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I just want to say that I have wondered ever since this came out and I sort of became aware of if, if a narrative is in our face, then there's a reason. What's the reason? I don't know. Uh, unless it was to literally try to demolish the foundation of the NFL, because in order to have that, you have to have nationwide, very strong farm programs from a very young age. And, the, the whole thing of the admission of the chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which is the CTE um, that many players experience after there was a classic uh, Pittsburgh. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going blank right now. Mike something. But anyway, he played for Pittsburgh for a very long time and he died at a very young age. So that was the whole premise of this um Webster, Mike Webster, I think that was. Yes, yes. An HBO documentary because he basically had played really, really hard. And this was whenever they had no protocol for um, concussions or recognition of that. They would just refer to it as, quote, getting your bell rung. And they would just keep playing, right? So then by the time this man is in his 50s, he's showing signs of drug addiction because who knows what they have injected them with their entire career to let them keep playing. But addiction home life is falling apart aggression that wasn't there before personality changes and even in some instances like alzheimer's type behavior but they didn't know what was going on with him he ended up basically being homeless this professional football player so then whenever he you just happened to have a guy that did an autopsy um on him and he sort of took it up the ladder because he found these plaques that were um, not previously identified in NFL players. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. That's Aaron Rodgers tattoo. So, but, but anyway, I think that with the whole CTE and the, um, just the brain injury, why was that allowed to come out? Mm. You know, now you have these over the top protocols, but yet injuries seem to be worse than ever. Like they're getting injured all the time. I don't know. There's just so much fuckery with the NFL. There's something else that I'd like to mention too, which I was almost going to bring up with the pod we just did with Jin, with Ashley, um, is the whole thing about the Lions. I mean, there's lots of Lions stuff, lots of Lions stuff coming out. Jin, you'll be able to help with mm-hmm. this one, obviously, but um, like heaps of Lions stuff. And, you know, the Q movement, that's all liony. And, um, you know, I mentioned the, well, we mentioned the Olympic Games dates the other day being under Leo. And um, and it also, actually, it takes me back to one of the first nums we did, or second, maybe third. Uh, about, remember those lions? I was sort of trying to connect the lions in India to the lions, the Sydney Zoo. Yes, that got out. Yeah, because it was kind of a yes, weird story. And, it was and a then weird was, story, yes. Yeah, and then there was those four lions in India, that huge statue that they just revamped and they actually sort of um, – 
this is going off my memory of the notes, but they changed the face or the expression of one of these lines from a sort of a peaceful expression to a more fierce, rah, you know, kind of expression. And there was quite a bit of, uh, there was a little bit of hoo-ha about it amongst the people. Um, didn't really know what happened, but I just, you know, it was just a weird story. I kind of didn't really make the connection, but I, I just know in the back of my mind there's this thing there pushing the whole line thing and it's got something to do with it. Over to you, Jim. Well, that's, I was going to say <laughs> that's, that's, that's interesting just that with this tattoo for the listener, what we're yeah. looking at here, um, we have a peaceful lion and, yes. a, and an angry lion and they're kind of facing each other off. We have all this like geometry. We've got that's the a, eye uh, astrology signs there. Yeah, we've, yeah, got, Scorpio we've got over there. Scorpio, yep. Aquarius yeah. in the Aquarius. on the other side, and Sagittarius in the middle. Uh, yep. the constellations. Yeah, and I also wanted to point out that this tattoo, if I if memory serves, it this was displayed not long after he kind of came out as like a vax truther or a vax resistor, and because I of course wanted to think that he was based, I I, I want to think that people who have a platform are not compromised by something, and then this came out, and I was like, oh, that's so fucking weird. That's so weird. I can see the thing there, like the, I mean, <laughs> take away the eye, for instance, but, you know, there could be just, you know, lights and shades of a person. You can sort of see that. But then when you're putting all the rest of it in there, it's like, well, why the eye? Um, I mean, that could be God, the eye of God. It's just, but yeah, it's the symbology wise. Mm -hmm. Jin, there's, there's, there's an <laughs> insane amount of symbolism in this tattoo. Yeah, a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to unpack in that. Yes. I actually think that, that Drizzle and Ando did a better job than I was going to, but I will just say that the lion... <laughs> Definitely has like very Tipperath, very solar connotations. Obviously, the sun rules well, Leo. And uh, yeah. yeah, so there's Which something a... really powerful there about like solar. And we talked about it in that episode but... about ego and being stuck in that sphere. So there's something interesting there. I think that, that he's trying to say uh, Leo and Gemini at the same time because it's twin lions. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, but this could be a chart. Or this could be his chart. It looks kind of like that's that because I, see, yeah, I'm yeah. seeing I was, some I was wondering the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. I mean, it's, it's cool. There's, you know, there's that. I mean, as much as, as Illuminati, occulty, whatever that it is, it's, it's pretty cool art. And, it is. And only he knows what it means. And, and it's a beautiful piece of work for a tattooist. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. that's the thing is somebody else could have drawn it and he thought, whoa, this is neat. You know, he sure. basically probably said, here's my here's my natal chart. And then somebody drew all this and he was like, that's what I want, because he might yeah. not he might not be that tied in. I He doesn't seem to me like he's he's tied into that. He's, he seems kind of like a regular guy that's extremely talented and everything like that. And he saw that art and said, that's cool. Where where did you I go to college, Ando? I have no idea. Do you know? Berkeley. Oh, okay. He's, That's he interesting. was from the UCAL <laughs> system. But yeah, a lot of great people that I know of went to Berkeley. Like, I mean, Daniel McAdams, Ron Paul's assistant, it went to Berkeley. You know, uh, I mean, it's, just because Berkeley is a hotbed for some bullshit doesn't mean that everybody that went there is, is something, you know? No, but it does kind of make you sus. It's, so, you know, it's... You can't uh, broad stroke everybody that went to Harvard, right? But you went to Harvard and you're being put in front of us. Mm. 
that's, right, that's right. two strikes against you. Yep, I'd agree with that one. For sure. But I mean, I, Aaron's I in front agree. of us for his talent. Aaron, Aaron's one of the he, he's one of the best quarterbacks of our lifetimes. Easily, he is easily. like in the top three. You know, top it, it's two like or three. Aaron and Tom Brady. Yeah, I would yeah. say Aaron Rodgers, Tom Peyton Brady, Manning. and and Peyton Manning. Yeah. So yep. the funny thing is what led up to this controversial moment. They were talking about the symbolism of the NFL Super Bowl logos and how they always seem to know the color scheme well in advance of knowing who the two teams are going to be. And Aaron Rodgers is the one kind of pointing this out. I, I will say, I will say, Pat and, and, and fellas, that if the Super Bowl is Baltimore and San Fran, and I'll tell you what, that Super Bowl 59 emblem better have Jet Green on it because I know you've seen that one, Connor. That's a real interesting, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's not get into that today. What are we talking about? What, what happened? What's uh, Jet 59? What You just tied the Ravens and the Niners. Don't worry. In the Super Bowl Fifty Nine, and the something. Well, not, like well, the logos, look at the, the colors. Team colors that have been in. Look the at the colors. Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Ravens and the Niners. That's purple. That's red. Mm-hmm. Bring it up. Bring it up, Foxy or somebody back Seats there. Seats on it. You have Super Bowl Fifty Eight. You'll see it. The emblems put on the screen, and then bring up Fifty Seven and Fifty Six. Does that have something to do with the Epstein list that came out? <laughs> feels like. <laughs> feels like. <laughs> it's supposed to be coming out. All right, so so he got derailed, but what he's bringing up, you know, I could show it to you. Um, I gotta find it, but the the color scheme of the logo for the past like three Super Bowls. I have to see I'm, it, Mike. I have to. Okay, all right. Let me see if I can find it. Um, NFL Super Bowl logo. Is it further color. down that clip? I saw it on well, that clip. Oh, but they they get they get off track on the Epstein yeah. I mean, ship. but it's like a minute later they're back on it. I think you know what you're probably you're probably right. Hang on, uh, let me see what I can do here. Apologies, yeah. I apologize. Drizzle's probably like, oh, I already covered this like uh, six months ago. Dude, I something. ain't been covering nothing for the last two weeks. <laughs> You're right, because you know what? Been covering they... some real estate. About two. That's Wednesday. Well, nice. You know they took they took like twenty seconds out of this clip, and that's all we see. This is the rest of the clip. Took away the real conspiracy. Right, right. So yeah, here it is. For a few years now, anyone else know? Oh, hang on. That's it. Oh. Oh, can you hear it? Mm-hmm. I'm not hearing. No, I'm not hearing it. Yes. Like I'm saying, that makes that 59 better. Hang on. Hmm. So it's the 59th Super Bowl. Is that right? So zooming in. Oh, like 69. These are... Oh, no, 59. 59. Yeah, I'm bad. I'm bad at Roman numerals. L is 50, V is 5, and then is it 3111? That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, yeah, well, unless it's Colts blue. Remember, yeah, we got Anthony Richardson. Any of it. Could yeah. Patriots blue might be there, too. I don't know. You've been, you've been mm. 
Well, don't deserve this it. Kind I, I just, of a reach for like the the Eagles. There was a green, but it was it was more like a minty green. It's not Eagles green. So I mean, it's kind of a reach, but it, the color schemes do somewhat match. I think Hang it's on. very interesting. I'll just say that. I think I'm it's trying very to, yeah. vibe. I think there's a very O'Call vibe with those, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I kind of fucked up by uh, jumping out of that video, but... Sorry, I was muted. I was saying something. Um you think there's a Nicolti vibe with the Super Bowl gin? Yeah, um, that's. Yeah, I love the <laughs> colors. They're, just, they're very on. <laughs> like, they're very much like what we talked about. So I just, I feel like it's like very, I don't like synchronicity. Like, I don't really believe in that per se, but I, it's, it keeps coming up and the same colors, like you were saying, purple Stella, like one of those logos was like a purple fade in, like very Yasod, very lunar, very like uh, vibes. Like your feelings is deep in your feelings. That's kind of the idea of that. So I, mm. there's something very interesting about that. I, I w- didn't look at them for very long, but in just my opinion, but I just think there is something there. Absolutely. Yeah. The red and purple. Okay. Now I'm looking at it now. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Now I'm seeing it. And there's like an eye symbolism. It's very purple at the lower vibration. I mean, it even kind of looks like a, I don't know. There's like an eye. I know it's a football, but it's kind of like an eye and like a satellite almost. Yeah. Well, and I wanted to chime in as well that Isaac Weishaupt, and I know that uh, not everybody here is a big Isaac fan. Um, He he does a deep dive into symbolism (laughs) every year. That's what I hear people say. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, but he he has done a lot of digging into the Super Bowl stuff, and there's definitely a lot there from the location that they hold it, which has been in like Phoenix a lot. And they say some people are like superb owl, right? Which has symbolism and just all kinds of stuff like that. It is fascinating. And the halftime show is also always a lot to deep dive into. It's, it's always satanic. Yeah. Yeah, if we're yeah. if well if we're going to try to influence the minds of America, obviously like this is the biggest spectacle we can take advantage of. You know? So like I it think is the more the grandest stage. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the Super Bowl. Yeah, it is it is besides the World Cup the most watched sporting event uh mm-hmm. in any mm-hmm. single year. It's so, definitely the so, most watched in America. I think it's in the I world think it's too. Pretty, it's it's pretty internationally popular at this point. I think it's worth playing, it's, you know, because we've established this is the uh, there was this Epstein comment within this bigger bigger conversation of uh, the Super Bowl and how how controlled it is. I think it's worth playing here. Stella, do you want to say something before I go or? Yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, sport is just sort of fills in the gaps of, <laughs> like, I don't mean, you know, I'm all in one basket. It fills in the gaps of the atheists, basically. It's, it, is a, it is a religion. I mean, it is very much like mm. religion. But Australia is just as guilty or pos- possibly more so. I mean, if you don't have a team in Victoria, you're nothing, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
there's always, yeah, like you, you were talking about, Ashley, there's always these uh, head injuries that are constant, you know, turning people into vegetables and they're just pawns, you know, ridiculously highly paid and just wild brutes when they're out on a Saturday night and that kind of thing. I mean, they're hopeless mm-hmm. uh, role models. I, I think that's sort of been cleaned up a little bit now, but, oh, boy, it was pretty bad a few years ago. Um, so, yeah, it's just another religion, really. Can I just add to that really quickly? I, I just looked up the Gematria of Super Bowl. Now, I am a very traditional person, so normally I would do Gematria by hand if I was going to do it, but I just thought for this purpose it's interesting. So one of the Hebrew Gematria values for Super Bowl is Lucifer is Jesus. Um, fellowship of the Q, which would stand for Quetzalcoatl. And also another one I thought was interesting, it'd be Lion Cabal wants dead, and they are using the trans beam. So, anyways, that's interesting to me. I just thought I'd share that. They are using the trans beam. What does that mean? I'm sorry. You'll have to. I'm completely lost on that. There's this idea that they have a trans or a gay ray. Have you ever heard of this, Stella? This is something we've explored on the show. Oh, no. It doesn't ring any bells for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, we were talking about the gay laser, the laser that, oh, the laser made me gay. Remember, we oh, had a right, good okay. laugh over that. Yeah. I thought that was the just gay laser. Joke. So it's a thing. Okay. Yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> this yeah, happened on the forum, it didn't later. it? Like, how long ago was this? Like, about two months ago, three months ago? No idea. It all blurs no together at a certain point. It was, uh, it was when we were talking about uh, frequencies and stuff. Um, yeah, oh, okay, being yeah. able I probably to just adjust. thought it was a joke. Like I didn't think it was. Yeah, actual. I'm pretty sure actually the the uh, Stella, oh, you brought right. the subject up. It was yeah. it was uh, it was whenever it was us. It was uh, uh, Mike wasn't here. It was I I remember broadcasting from the truck. It was you. Oh, bloody hell! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you send me the clip. Yeah, let me we just were, let me just we were talking this. about that all at the end of that. Was episode. this? Yeah, it was great. Was this the episode when y'all covered Britney Spears and like all that? Uh, it was the episode we started off talking about traditions and ended up oh, talking okay. about gay yeah. lasers at the end. Yeah, and gay. <laughs> that sounds like a typical, <laughs> typical just what crazy. the fuck. So, so Stella, Stella wants me to bring up the uh, logo for the Super Bowl. Let me. Before I do that, oh, and we I can, can share can, the screen if it's not well, kicking you well, off. Well, what it is is it's getting just one step ahead of me. So let okay. me play this. Um, they're they're talking about the logo, and then we can look at it like in detail. Uh, but it's it's funny that they took this twenty seconds out of the greater conversation because what he's doing, he made a joke about Epstein and Jimmy Kimmel, but what he was trying to get at was the Super Bowl logo. So here we go. All right. Obviously, a clip from this particular program was run on Jimmy Kimmel's show uh, whenever Aaron brought up the, the list and then Jimmy mocked him for it. Mm-hmm. Aaron has not forgotten about that. But here we are sitting right in front of that nice bottle of scotch. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I'm waiting to celebrate something. Oh, yeah. yeah something <laughs> He's been waiting that's for the that. one. <laughs> You've been waiting for hey, I'll tell you what. If that list comes out, I definitely will be popping Popping some sort of bottle. Hey, we've been calling for it for a few years now. Anyone else notice this? Oh, my God. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, they've known. It's known for years. Like I'm saying, that next that 59 better be jet green. That's all I'm saying. 
Well, yeah, well, unless it's Colts blue. Remember, we got Anthony Richardson coming. Could be yeah. Patriots blue might be there too. Oh, you've been you've been jumping on the Minshew train. I feel like I love him. I do. I love. Him. He shakes his shoulders. Team loves him. He'll throw. All right, maybe that's about it. Um, it's funny you see down at the bottom the the banner that's playing. At one point, it says um, this is meant as comedic informative. Please don't sue us. So somebody wrote that like immediately after the comments about um, Jimmy Kimmel. The the views expressed. Look, the views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the beliefs of. I muted it. um, Of their peers, their boss, uh, or ESPN. So they were doing they were doing damage control immediately. Immediately. Yeah, Pat McAfee was was did damage control right there. He just said, "Hey, you know, it was because Jimmy made fun of you because you were talking about the list even existing. It wasn't because he thinks Jimmy's on the list. But it doesn't matter if Jimmy's on the list or not. He, Jimmy's not a good person. <laughs> he he runs cover for people that are on the list all the time. That's his career. Don't sue me, Jimmy." Also, Stella, please share what you shared in the chat from Sir Tim, because I thought is extremely fascinating. And I think that really relevant to the discussion of the tattoo. That was Ashley. Go ahead, Ashley. Oh, I apologize, Ashley. Yeah, no worries. Okay, so shout out to Sir Tim, because he said that um, Aaron Rodgers tattoo artist has he hosts his own retreat. And so he has a little uh, website that he sent to us over in the rumble chat, but it said, um, from the artist's website, his artistic work is heavily influenced by ancestral practices and ritual spirituality, sacred geometry, the occult and sculpture. He specializes in talisman tattoos. And I will just say all the MMA guys have Sakyant, uh, Thai sorcery tattoos as well. Every single one. Mm. one without one so i will just say it's a very common thing in the both the finance world as well as the sports world but i'm more used to it in the full contact sport variety well i guess football is also full contact but you guys know what i mean (laughs) yeah will you put that in our chat jen i'm gonna pull that tattoo up for that you're talking about for the mma guys sure i will put that up stella did you did you have thoughts on this logo or this is the uh, the Super Bowl logo. No, no, not really. I just wanted to be able to be able to see it while Jen was mentioning it and what have you. Okay. Like up close because it was a, a better version. So the idea of the um, conspiracy that Aaron Rodgers was kind of throwing out is that they have these logos kind of pre-prepared mm-hmm. and they always they always seem to line up with the color schemes of the two teams that end up playing. So it's you know it's kind of a loose conspiracy, but uh, interesting, we'll say. So it looks like Ravens and Ravens Baltimore. Their logo. I think it was Ravens Baltimore is what they were kind of uh, projecting. Ravens are Baltimore, so Ravens oh, uh, they got purple Ravens. in there. It's purple and red. So yeah. Uh, so why couldn't hey. it be Minnesota and Kansas City? Well, oh, you're right. You're right. Minnesota is another purple. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what could also, 
I was going to say, I'm trying to San Francisco Ravens. That's what they were projecting. So 49ers Ravens. Um, Anyways, yeah, I, I don't. E- I don't know who's I don't going even, in the playoffs. So <laughs> I don't even give a fuck about football, but it. But it is a big deal. It it occupies a lot of the American attention span. It's a big business. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's necessarily a big deal. So maybe, it maybe as described- far as the public's concerned, it's a big deal. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure is. So like I said, it's, it is like a religion, and yeah, it's a huge industry. Oh my god, the money that mm-hmm. so many Billions. people make out of it, yeah. Billions and the way in that, revenue. And the, I don't know if it's the same over there, but and I was just reading some some other countries doing it too. But here they've done it a couple of times where they've got these nice arenas or what have you. Oh no, it was actually in Brisbane, so it was here. Um, uh, they've got these nice big sports arenas, and they build them up, and then I don't know a few short years later, <laughs> they rip them down and rebuild them, and it's like it's just a big money making scam. Yeah, it, and There's it's always at the no taxpayer reason. expense. Absolutely, never at the expense of the owner of the team. Always at the taxpayer expense. Or yeah, or other taxpayers people, build these multi million dollar facilities for these ultra rich people. Yeah, yeah and, and the, great. the politicians. Great the politicians all own the, um, you know, the subcontracting companies and right. they make sure that their mates Correct. all get the work, et cetera. So it's just one great big freaking money laundering scheme. And, yeah. um, don't, and don't it, it also Trump the wanted is in. that it keeps the uh, Trump public wanted completely to be an NFL owner. distracted. And, and the other thing that I wanted him. to to add to that conversation is that that is very similar to the Olympics. Oftentimes they build an entire city within a city for the Olympics. And then depending on where it's at, I just was recently seeing something about um, it was like five, six, seven years after the Brazilian Olympics. And it was a dump. Like they, yeah, they do yeah. all of this work, they build all of this stuff. And then it's completely like abandoned. It's mm-hmm. really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What were they called? Those, um, because that was a separate logo in itself, that whole community. Remember, that was actually the Jupiter yes. logo for the Commonwealth yes. Games. Olympic Village, wasn't it called? We were calling it the Olympians Village or yeah, the Athletes Village, but it. there was another Athletes name for Village. it. Village. Oh, there is another name. But okay. yeah, there was something that uh, Stella Let found it. that yeah. it was more specific about that. But yes. Now, in some places, I think it actually candidate is- candidate city. Candidate city. That's such a weird name. But um, I have heard though that in some places the structures are actually well-maintained. For example, I was just hearing someone discussing Park City, Utah, where they had the uh, Winter Olympics a while back, and they actually turned the dorms for the athletes into like a really nice hotel. So I think it depends on where it's at, but I still think that it goes to the point that they they build these insane facilities and often they're left abandoned and just to rot after that. Yeah, and what what's to say, like, why don't they – it's amazing how quickly they can build something like that for an event to make money, and yet you've still got all these homeless that need places to go and what have you. I mean, why don't they turn them over to the homeless afterwards or something? I don't know. Was that way too rational? Or? I will say because, that – Because for, they need because bread. To make money, I know. They <laughs> need bread and circuses, man. Bread and yeah. circuses. True enough. In the Montreal Olympics, when they finished, like when that was over, they gave them to McGill and to UCAM, which is the University of Quebec at Montreal. Anyways, they 
those they built these huge brutalist kind of like ski slope things totally from cast cement and because montreal gets to like minus 30 only stella will really understand high temperature but anyways that's fine uh they it, it gets extremely cold and very hot in the summer so they all cracked and started to crumble and then it costs like hundreds of millions of dollars to redo and they outsource that to like the province or the city so i just think that exactly with what you guys are all saying like it's just a huge continuous ongoing like just it's like just burning money off honestly so yeah Minus 30 degrees Celsius is minus 22 Fahrenheit. Thank you, Stella. I appreciate that. And I didn't mean to magic number. <laughs> so if I, if I, I may, I, I think I'd like to shift us to a new topic um, because it's, it's related. But like I said before, football reminds me of the gladiators. You know, these massive stadiums remind me of the Coliseum. And I'm sure you all are aware of this this trend, this um, TikTok viral moment where everybody was asking their their husbands and their dads and their brothers, how often do you think of the Roman Empire? Do you all remember this? This was like three, four months ago. Yes, I do. I yes. do. A very do long September. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this this is my favorite one that I saw. Do you ever think about the Roman Empire? All the time. Why? We what are you thinking about it? Well, because we're in those times right now. Everybody's preoccupied with sports, movies, work. You know. What was it you said about bread? Well, all right. The common people. Roman Empire said that everybody was equal, everybody had a chance. Uh-huh. But it wasn't. The rich got richer and the poor got poor. And they worried constantly about people rioting because uh-huh. they knew that the common man, the common people uh-huh. could take over at any time. So they would bring them into the Colosseums and they would give them free grain. They would give them bread. They would give them wine, whatever they needed to fill their bellies and block their minds from what they were angry about. They would watch plays. They would watch fights with the gladiators sometimes for months on end and that's where we're at right now and i think about it all the time because so many people are preoccupied with their favorite football team their favorite actor actress singer and they they just don't even think about what's being taken away from them so nfl ufc you know we love our blood sport don't we in a falling empire. Uh, wrestling, too. What's Can't that? forget wrestling. WWE. Wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. I mean, they all belong in the same category. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think even UFC is, has recently started to adopt sports entertainment as, it's, uh, as what it is, right? It, I mean, I know that it's still legitimate, but then there's still there is some aspects of uh, of theater going on there as well. And I had my questions with UFC the first because I thought that it was a legitimate sport. And I'm not saying that it's not, but I'm saying that I have questions. Wait, wait a second, Ashley. We got to be careful here because 
all all the conspiratards out here are also UFC people. So, you know, uh, your sport is very legitimate and it is great, guys. We love it. <laughs> Listen, I like UFC. I watch UFC. I but I'm I saying do. that this is whenever I had a question. So there was, I think it was Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez. They had a fight. Amanda Nunez had basically been completely untouchable in a category all her own. Now, it just so happened that she and Juliana were doing the, um, whatever the show is where you have your own team, they're each coaching their own team. And then that season of that show culminates with a fight between those two coaches, the ultimate fighter, the ultimate fighter. Yes. And, uh, so in this particular case, um, Amanda Nunez and the other gal were coaches. So they fought. This was the fight that Amanda Nunez lost. It was either right before that show started or at the culmination of that. And they were going to run it back. So that was the first time that I started having questions about, well, isn't that convenient that, and maybe it was right before the show was getting started. So then they would be running it back right after the end of the show. And it was a culmination of this rivalry between these two. And I just wasn't really buying it because Amanda Nunez had obliterated everyone else that she basically ever fought against in her whole career in the UFC. So I started having questions, but yes, I know that that could really upset people. I'm sorry. I'm just saying. I agree with you, Ashley. I think that there's a lot more management. I think it's a lot about betting. Like Ashley said, I'm just going to build off that point. I think that's, I think honestly, it's about pharmaceuticals and betting. Allegedly. (laughs) Well, you you bring up a good point, Jen. Um, You know, I kind of hit on it briefly. I did like this epic episode that Stella and Drew hopped in towards the tail end of. Uh, but I was diving into what's going on in Seattle and how like they have these gambling machines at the corner stores, at the convenient marts, right? You know, you can buy your beer, liquor, cigarettes, and you can gamble all at the same place. And how like gambling is to me like a symptom of a greater illness you know, I'm not against gambling as a whole, but mm-hmm. but I I now look around and like a lot of people I know, my own father included, they fuck around with these sports gambling apps. It's like, you know, Vegas in your pocket. And it it, it kind of grosses me out. It reminds me of Back to the Future 2. You know, the dark timeline where Biff becomes like president of the United States and he he's like a gambling tycoon. Because of the book, right? The sports book. Because he because he got the sports book from the future. Yeah. Yeah. The power of sport, you know? Yes. Yeah. And I would say that. Oh, go ahead. So that's all right, Ashley. Okay. I was just going to say (laughs) that, yes, I think that gambling is like any other vice that people will use it as a distraction from Mm -hmm. engaging in real life. Not all the time. Just like some people can have a drink and it doesn't become a problem. Sometimes it does. So, and I think obviously it's designed to have this like addictive, like 
nature to it. Um, and I do think there is such huge money in there. How could we think that there couldn't be some sort of meddling with that in order to give people a little something to keep them coming back? I totally agree with that, Ashley. I think that, you know, vices are vices. Like, you know, they can be fun. And, you know, like I come from a Chinese background, like we love gambling. Okay. Everybody loves gambling. I, when I go to Thailand, I love going to Muay Thai fights. I love all of that. I think it's amazing. And yeah, I'm going to bet like a little bit, but I'm not really like, I don't play cards. I don't like, you know, but I'm fine. People do that too, because people have to have their releases in the world and, you know, prohibition never works. So I don't know, but I just think that, yes, they absolutely weaponized vices hundred percent. I just got back from Vegas and it's all about vices there. Every, every vice that you could possibly have is indulged in that place. I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but for some reason it doesn't suck me in. I, I think I I only gambled $20 and I won $40 off of that $20. So I'm happy. Good job, Ando. Yeah. That's, I'll, save, that's all, I'll good. save my real luck for the road. You know, that's, that's where I need to get my luck. You know, yeah. no <laughs> shit. Well, any uh, any other thoughts before I take us in a new well, not a new direction, but uh, go down this this rabbit hole of Rome a little further? I will take that. Nah, keep as... going. I'm interested to see what you're hiding behind your back. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Hearing that the Mandela effect is used to see how much of history can be altered in front of our eyes. Here's a prime example of one of that. There's this woman on TikTok who was going crazy because she swore the Fruit of the Loom had a cornucopia logo. And to the point that even Fruit of the Loom themselves put a timeline of all their logos and it never had a cornucopia. And this woman went hard. A therapist told her, yo, you need to chill out. You need to just drop this. So she went through all of her old clothing and blow and behold she found a shirt with the fruit of the loom with the cornucopia logo on it that shows me like yo i'm i think the mandela effect is an operation that's running around right now to see how much of history can be altered right in front of our eyes without us noticing and then they gaslight the public and be like nope this never happened damn i didn't think about it like that yeah bro that's not necessarily the clip i meant to share but it actually kind of applies you know okay our, this is great. Our, our per- our perception of history. Yeah. I'll let it open. Yeah. Okay. That Sinbad movie is real. It really happened. I swear. Okay. I, Ando, I, he's probably going to scoop me, but before he does, I have to say this, right? So I was listening to a fairly recent episode of PQ with some, some dude. I don't even remember who it was. Right. But they were talking about this very topic. And I thought that they made a great point in the silence of the lamb. What is the line? Oh yeah. Uh, okay. So that was the the guy from Paranormies, um, yes. Johnny Monoxide. Yeah, that's it. That was a great episode. Um, it was good. But yeah, uh, hello Clarice. Right? Yeah. Uh, but apparently, from what somebody said, is that in the sequel, that they used that clip in the sequel from. So it wasn't in the first movie. That's what somebody says. I'm still not sure. Um, I, it's been a long time since I've watched the movie, but 
Yeah, there's definitely something to this timeline jumping and and the powering on and off of CERN. Um, there's there's something going on here that things a lot of the Mandela things, the Kit Kat Dash, um, the what are I mean, y'all can think of several of them, I'm sure, right? Uh, there's a bunch of these things that that I remember too. Uh, yeah. Berenstein, Berenstain, uh, yeah. all of it. It's yeah. There's something to it's, it. It is weird, but I in this particular instance, even before he said it, the guy from Paranormies was like, "Do you know what the line is?" And I was walking my dogs, and I was like, "Hello, Clarice." And <laughs> that right. So why do we all think that that's the line? But he said that's actually apparently now that's not what's in the movie. Now, Ando is saying like there's a couple of like it was here and not there. But anyway, I it's it's very weird. It's very weird. It's yeah, that was an iconic line. And and I I mean, that's what I remember from then. But, you know, yeah, they just like to fuck with this. I think that part of it. It could even have something to do with demoralization as far as you can't even trust your own mind. Your own mind is telling you that that this is this and that is that and and you're wrong. So Yes. Bingo. Are you yep, yeah, I would hundred percent agree with that. Are you talking about so I've just walked away for a minute to get a cup of tea. Are you talking about that they're telling us that Mandela effect was just a psyop now? Is that what your this subject is? Well, yeah. Yeah, the, these guys came up with yep. this woman basically freaked out whenever she heard about the Fruit of the Loom thing. And uh, and so since she tripped out on it, uh, her therapist told her she needed a CTFO. And so she dug through all her old clothes and found a uh, found a T-shirt that has the cornucopia in it. And so we've been right this whole time. There was a cornucopia. And Sinbad did make that fucking genie movie. I... I know. I remember the box. I worked at Blockbuster. I remember the box on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, well, th- there is something about that new tech. Like I heard you mention soon. I mean, I <laughs> by far, I wish Uncle Crazy Uncle Rob was here. But um, the quantum thing is is basically sort of about there's no sort of like the standard computer is you know there's a zero or there's a one, but quantum is sort of like well there's there can be a zero and a one. So however that works, like dual timeline, whatever it is, um, the fractal of timelines, who knows? But they're screwing with us for sure, <laughs> 100%. That's a real Schrodinger's cat situation that you're talking about there. Um, and I also wanted to say that Sir Tim said, he said Project Looking Glass, question mark. Now, I'm yeah, not familiar yeah. with that particular thing. And then he also said quantum physics equals sympathetic magic. Project Looking Glass was another thing that they've sort of basically been saying. That was, uh, what was that woman's name, the conspiracy lady, Cassidy? Kerry Cassidy, was it? Do you know who I'm talking about, anyone? Oh, okay. Uh, She, I'm trying to think when it was too, but anyway, it was definitely in the noughties. It might have even been the late 90s. She did an interview. Kerry Cassidy, I think it was, did an interview with a dude, I can't remember his name at all, but he was like from some intelligence place and he was talking about Project Looking Glass. It was on YouTube, I think, when I saw it. don't know if it still is, but I do wonder about that. And just as a very slight off the side thing, I actually wrote a song called um, called The Looking Looking Glass, (laughs) which is why I found this, because I didn't realise that there was this Project Looking Glass 
and it was just through looking for something else from my song. And I went, oh, wow, there's this thing called Project Looking Glass. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look it up. It's, it's kind of interesting. Could be a psyop. Who knows? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling because um, there's so many ways we could go here. But just trust me, um, I think it's all going to come together. We're talking Rome. We're talking the Mandela effect. We're talking, you said Project Real. Looking Glass. I'm thinking Project Bluebeam. Blue um, have you all been seeing what's going on? Oh, in dude, Miami? that was down in Miami a couple days ago. You missed That's that. What I'm, that. No, I did not miss it. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> he didn't either. Film this. this shit is so crazy. I'm posting this, uh, and I want y'all to Sorry? repost, save this video, post it on other platforms before it gets taken down. Because I want to clear up some of this misinformation about the Bayside Mall incident that happened. Um, so me and my girl was in town, and we were shopping at the mall, and we noticed a lot of kids there. Um, it wasn't a real big deal at first until they got to arguing and shoving, and then like weapons got brought in, and uh, they started fighting, running all over the mall, chaos just all over the place. So we thought we heard gunshots, but it turns out that that was actually fireworks. But either way, that caused everybody to start rushing for the doors. Uh, people was leaving stuff behind. I mean, just dragging their kids. It was just complete fucking chaos, man. Uh, anyway, so as we running, we look back and we notice some weird shapes taller than me. I'm six foot two, shadowy, dark solid shapes not human i promise you these is not human i mean it made the hair stand up on my skin uh and shit we just booked it for the doors after that man really what went down in miami just a few nights ago now i was contemplating whether or not i wanted to make this video because i think i've already been blacklisted online from a couple different places but i'm very pro free speech so i'm gonna tell the truth anyway about what i saw now, I'm driving down in Miami with a girlfriend pretty late at night, and I suddenly see hundreds, and I mean hundreds of cop cars swarming the entire city, the entire area. You could literally hear the sirens from over a mile away. I've never seen anything like this. Guys, I've been in Miami three years, and I've never seen a response like this. I genuinely thought that there was some kind of terrorist attack. It was honestly frightening. So obviously, I'm curious. I pull up the car, we get out and we start talking to people. People are pretty calm. Um, I'm talking to them, I'm asking them what's going on. Um, and one person told me that they were at the Bayside Marketplace. And and again, these are their words, I, I'm, I kid you not. They told me that they saw a creature, I know it sounds ridiculous, seven feet tall walking around. I was like, this is insane. So I asked, I'm like, this person's crazy. I go and talk to another woman who's there in a state of actual panic. And she tells me that she saw something out of a movie. She said it looked like Alien from the Alien film in the 1980s, I think she said it was. It, it's insane. So I get out my phone, right? Because I want to film this and I want to get these interviews for you guys because no one's going to believe what happened. And so I get out my phone and I start recording. The police come running over to me and they take my phone and make me delete the couple seconds that I recorded. And then they ushered me along. Obviously, this is Miami PD, the cops in America. 
really what went down. What the hell is she smoking? Yeah, sorry, sorry. I was gonna try to share. I got one more, and it's the cops. It's what the cops have to say. Um, yeah, let me let me just share this. Hang on, is that gonna work? Well, my second question was gonna be, can I get some? Are on social media, right? Can you what now? Well, I wanted to know what she's smoking and whether or not I could get some because I'm running. Yeah, home. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. She's kind of hot, though. Not going to lie. Uh, but here we go. A few clips that are going viral on social media right now. First, our response to that uh, big incident in Bayside Marketplace. What happened was there was about 50 or more juveniles that were shooting fireworks at people. There was also some looting going on. So officers that were on that scene were having a little bit of trouble containing it. So they called what is called the Citywide Three, which every officer in the city responded. That's why you saw so much police presence for, for that call to contain that crowd. Now, there is now video going viral of eight to 10 foot aliens walking around Bayside. It's actually just a person walking with a shadow. So I can confirm to you all here today right now that there are no aliens in Miami in Bayside Marketplace at the moment. So it's Friday. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I call bullshit on that. A few clips that are going viral on social media. I yeah. guarantee you there's some uh, brown folks in that part of Miami that are not legally allowed. He <laughs> <laughs> makes the green ones. <laughs> he did not specify. <laughs> true. <Yeah>. true enough. <laughs> you got a point. You got a point, Driz. <laughs> I just so wanted just, to add a little thing, sorry, Stella, about what Stella had said about Project Looking Glass and that it's mostly still um, highly cl still classified. So it's only been released in a few redacted files of what it actually was. So I, that's super interesting. And it also relates to the Corona satellite. So Pro Project Camelot is Kerry Cassidy. She's like the godmother of the Truther movement, apparently. So um, there you go. But anyway, she's been around for quite a while. And yeah, uh, it was. she's still around. She's just got something fairly recent. I've just posted into the, uh, I haven't watched it, by the way, private chat there, if you want to look it up later. That's not the one I was thinking of. Uh, the other one was just her sitting with a guy in a room and he's on a chair. It was a fairly bland looking video, but um, yeah, probably 20 years old. So yeah, um, maybe it's something we can look into for a future episode, perhaps, or something. 100%. Hmm. Well, now that we've kind of like interjected this idea of um, the Mandela effect, and I guess we'll say like two different perceptions of one event, um, I want to come back to the Roman Empire just because I think this is it's funny first and foremost, but like it's also kind of fascinating, like who gives a fuck about the Roman Empire versus who don't. Um, here we go. Who is he? Will you move your helmet and tell me your name? My name is Gladiator. Today I saw a slave become more powerful than the Emperor of Rome. Oh my Classic. gosh. <laughs> Classic. I think we already have Mike on board. Okay, I'm so watching. normally when I hear TikTok trends, I immediately tune out because I'm like, okay, what's Tide, like a teenager eating a Tide Pod, like mm -hmm. don't eat it. No, right. This TikTok right. trend, I'm telling you, is hysterical. There is a new trend on TikTok okay. where women ask their male partners, how often do they think about the Roman Empire? And the answers are astounding because really? I'm a woman who never thinks about the Roman Empire. Right. Not at all. Have, neither do I. Have you, when's the last time you thought about it? 
the Roman Empire now, School. right yeah. now, because we're talking about yeah. it. That's the only reason. Really? The only reason. Okay, so how this originally, <laughs> I'm dying I'm, to get your answer. No, I'm just I'm curious. Really curious how many times you think of the Roman Empire. It's this a little bit different for me. But... started by a Roman reenactor okay. went on TikTok and said, I don't think women understand how often men I truly think about the Roman Empire. So okay. then a, a woman took the challenge and she started asking, she asked her partner and, and the answers are more frequent. So I guess. And this is a huge thing now. And people are like yeah. weighing in and it's creating all these sort of shocked moments and people see it's a little bit different for me personally because my son is named Roman. So you think named about after Rome. And so for me, it's, you know, actually thinking about the empire part of it. I love the history. Okay. And I, I love Rome. Okay. Uh, and the whole thing, you know, they built this thing, right? And it wasn't built in a day, hey, as they oh say. Boy, I, think, I think he is trying we to go. add his argument so that we aren't nearly as shocked <laughs> and disappointed. So wait, do we have a poll for yeah, how well, often? Well, I believe that I believe we have what uh, is the thing? Mike's, Mike's answer. Oh, I want you to guess, though. How? Oh, so you're going to ask me. Yeah. Oh, how okay. often do you think Mike thinks about the Roman Empire? This is built up way too much. The Roman Empire. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Three times a day. Okay, so I fell down the uh, the straight men thinking about the Roman Empire rabbit hole, and I'm I'm very confused. First, I thought it was funny, right? Like a little gag, because who, who, who thinks about the Roman Empire? But there are hundreds of these videos, and the acting feels too good. Like it just, it feels very real. Like the last time I thought about the Roman Empire was when I was in a classroom and the lesson was the Roman Empire or while watching the life of Brian. I just need to know, is, is, this, is this real? Or I need you to tell me it's not real. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Three times a day. How often do you think about the Roman Empire? A couple times a day, maybe. Wait, really? Yeah, the brothels were just a lot better run there. It was a better setup in general, you know? The what? I don't know. Men could just go to the brothel back in those days. <laughs> it, was, it was normal. You know, you didn't have to, like, hide it from your chick and do all this, you know, shady business. You and the boys could just go down there and make a night of it. It was cheap, too. You know, some accounts say it was less than a loaf of bread. Really? Apparently, you could do whatever you wanted to do <laughs> from what I've read. No holds barred, assuming the brothel had their permits and paid their <laughs> Guard. You think about that twice a day. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the only problem is the Jimmy hats are made of sheep and goats' intestines <laughs> or bladders, so they didn't really work that good. And obviously, if you got one of the prostitutes pregnant, it was like a whole debacle, and no child conceived by a prostitute could ever inherit their father's estate. Pretty sure that's what happened to Caligula, actually. So when you do go to the brothels, you should probably use like a fake name and stuff like that, which, by the way, was a lot easier then than it is now. But why are you filming? How <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh... <laughs> I love that guy. I, yeah, that guy is my favorite. Um, Ryan Long. Ryan Long. Yes. Yeah. 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 He, he's so funny. He's so funny. <laughs> he is. He's great. Um, yeah. Obviously, he was kidding, but like, no, there there are legitimately hundreds of videos, and it is kind of funny. It's like exclusively straight men that give a fuck about the Roman Empire. Like, you ask a hundred gay men, and exactly one hundred of them will tell you they literally give zero fucks but you ask a hundred straight men and i don't know 90 some they, 90 they some not. they're gonna be like yeah like i think about it sometimes <laughs> the gay ones aren't too worried about becoming eunuchs i apparently not
I think about the Silk Road like very frequently, but not, probably not the Romans that much. But I think that makes more sense for me personally. So I'm just going to throw that out there that there are all. <laughs> no. Well, it's it's actually the the phenomenon that's kind of interesting is just the fanat uh, a fascination with with a certain particular era of history, right? Like why? Why is it so fascinating? Well, maybe they're just trying to put it into our heads for some reason because it's you know whatever the latest sort of thing going around on the TikToky thing is is usually just something that they want us to take notice of. So for whatever reason, that's just my little outlook. Mm-hmm. Well, personally, uh, I think they want us to make a connection between the times that we live in now and the Roman Empire, specifically the late Roman Empire, because they want us to believe that we live in an empire that is in decline. Look around you. All yep. the signs are all exactly. around you. The news is more than happy to tell you about it. Yeah, and that that was what I was thinking. Yeah. Is like, how could you not think about the Roman Empire if you think about the world that we live in? So maybe this is my normie conditioning, right? But I'm like, it feels like the fall of Rome went something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, well, no, that's okay. Um, I, you're, y'all are hitting on the right notes. So rights, those enamored of Athenian culture and Roman institutions made the argument that slaves provided the leisure necessary for their achievements. In other words, Greece and Rome were so successful because slavery provided the upper crust leisure time to do politics and carve big old marble dongs. In the late 19th century, a rising American empire deemed itself a new and improved heir to Rome, holding what Malamud calls the view that America was exceptional, that it could embrace wealth and empire whilst indefinitely or permanently avoiding Rome's imperial decline. That's because unlike Rome, America was Christian and therefore impervious to imperial corruption and power lust. Because as you all know, if you're a Christian, you can never um, have you know, a lust for corruption or, or imperial power because no one who is Christian has ever done imperialism. Roman imperialism was celebrated in American culture through a wave of Roman-inspired urban architecture, which created a deeply satisfying illusion of imperial grandeur, civic order, prosperity, and authority. Now, fast forward to the more is more 1980s, when images of Roman imperialism would permeate culture in spectacles like Vegas Casino Resort Caesar's Palace, and later its Roman-themed shopping mall. Just the best gig in all of Rome, a date that every stand-up philosopher, including Socrates, would die for. Believe it or not, you are going to play Caesar's Palace. Now, according to Malamud, these nostalgic sites of splendor collapse the historical specificity and diversity of ancient and modern empires. At the same time, she adds, they also sanction and even glamorize the contemporary exploitative behaviors of America's corporate elites. Cloaked in decadent Roman imagery, she notes, rampant consumerism takes on a historical bent and justification. Now, back in the 1930s, Roman imperialists were depicted as the enemy of the working man. But by the 1980s, they'd become aspirational symbols of America's excessive wealth and consumerism. Rome's sheer malleability, as well as its sprawling history, has made its mythos easy to fit 
just about any agenda. As such, Malamud argues, representations of the Roman past tell us little about the real Rome, but a lot about the prevailing attitudes and perspectives of the times when the representations were made. Like, for example, I could say that Rome was about cultivating culture and people together, similarly to the way that Wisecrack's Patreon does, where we combine the content we make with the support of our lovely audience. All right, fuck, fuck that guy. You know, I, I, I thought his his choice of words was useful, but I don't particularly like him. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, this is one of these things like the history of Rome can be twisted and used for any purpose. You know, the Mandela effect. There can be two stories at once. And half the time they're just trying to convince you you're crazy. But. No, you're totally right, Mike. And it's dialectical management. You always have to think there are th really three different angles to consider. There's the two angles that they tell us, and then the synthesis in the middle. I'm sure Drizzle's probably like, oh, I've already talked about this all the time. But that's that's what it is. I mean, that's really what it is. No, well, you have to talk about it all the time because well, there's too many people that still don't understand how it works. Yeah, we, we exactly. We have to keep going. Like, you know, at one point I'm thinking, oh, this is all echo chamber stuff, but there's going to be people who are going to keep cottoning on at some point and sort of have to learn stuff. And we, we do have to keep repeating. I mean, that's how propaganda works too. So we all do. We talk about this stuff constantly, all of us, in, in all different podcasts everywhere. And we've got to go over and over again and just hope that there's some new people joining the community that are, haven't heard it before. Because um, and just keep pointing it out, exposing it. That that's all we can really do is put the light on stuff. So. No, hundred percent. You're both right. You know, I just I don't I hate repeating myself, but you're totally right that it's something that's really important. And you know, dialectical management. Brzezinski talked. He he mentioned it like. I think there's even like a magic number for how many times that word appears in his book. So I'm just I think that it's a super important concept, and everybody should go get between two ages and highlight the though that phrase so that's just my opinion but i think it's good advice well um we're at 236 and change uh we can wrap this some bitch up if you guys want to I, you know, I guess my, my thinking is that like, I don't know, man, like, like we always do. We want to, uh, second guess what we've been told, what we've been taught. Like history is not what they always say it is. It's up to us to kind of like break it down. And, uh, you know, in terms of what's going on currently, We've been covering this like while and out like urban decay thing for a while. And uh, the Miami mall, you know, from what I gather, there were not aliens. It was yet another like, you know, multi, I, I would say like, I, apparently there were 40 or 50 juvenile looters, rioters. So like a flash mob. It was a flash mob. But we're not seeing any footage of the interior. We're just seeing the uh, the police response, which seems a bit excessive. 
you know, I I've also seen some stuff that said maybe, you know, fireworks went off and they were identified as gunshots. And there was like a call on the radio that it was like a terrorist slash mass shooter type scenario. So that's why they responded the way they did. But, you know, now all of a sudden we've got these two different narratives on social media. We've got the Mandela effect happening in real time. And, you know, who's to say, <laughs> you know, it's like somewhere in the middle, right? Is that the point you're getting at drizzle? Like it's somewhere in the middle of the truth lies, but like the two stories are both flawed. Well, I mean, that's, that's pretty much how it uh, always works. And I'll try to uh, keep my comment brief because apparently the Wi-Fi here at the motel has a, about a 20-minute recycle on it. Uh, and I think we're getting close. But yes, the truth is usually somewhere in the middle of the two sides of any story that you're going to find. But I've been thinking for a number of years now with the mind games that are being played with the public that you are eventually going to end up with a population where everybody is not on the same page as far as reality is concerned but every individual person is going to be convinced that their version of reality is real that that can get really dangerous really really quickly you know the funny thing is my version of reality has you talking like a robot but i can still understand you so it's kind of hilarious but yeah your wi-fi is definitely cutting out a bit well and i wanted to chime in on that too speaking of two realities and it getting very dangerous. I think that uh, January 6th, and we just had the, you know, uh, we celebrated the anniversary of January 6th. Um, I think that that's a really good example, right? Because you had people that truly believed that a violent and dangerous insurrection occurred on that day. And they have a problem with that. They have no problem for the summer of love protests that were burning cities down during COVID lockdowns that they supported. I mean, it's, it's totally bizarre, but they think that a violent insurrection actually happened that day. And then you have a lot of other people who are somewhere in the middle who think like, Oh, maybe some stuff did happen. Or you think other people that think, um, but or that it wasn't that bad. And then others that think it was completely a psyop that, that maybe that people were let in, that there were agents provocateur, that Ashley Babbitt was an actor, like all kinds of things. But in this case, it truly did prove to be a dangerous event because you have half the country that are bang for the blood of the people that were even there, that even showed up, that didn't even enter the Capitol. And they have no problem with these people's, you know, God-given rights being totally violated to have yeah. them in solitary confinement, life in prison, like truly deplorable conditions. And, and that's I saw, dangerous. I, I saw Mike Pence uh, basically saying, yeah, I, I want them to prosecute everyone that was at January 6th. Mike Pence doesn't give a fuck about those, those folks. 
For sure. And neither does Trump. You know, it's been said many times that he had an opportunity to pardon them and he didn't do it. So, but that, that's a really good example of people living in a different reality. Did you hear Ray Epps got like a real, a real tough sentence? (laughs) It was like six months. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. my guess is that that is only for show because I think that it seems pretty obvious mm-hmm. that he's an agent. So they're going to say he's got six months and then he's going to be driving around the country in his camper or, you know, um, as Stella likes to say, he's going to be sipping his cocktail in the bunker or whatever the hell, but it ain't mm-hmm. being in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder about a lot of it, actually. I mean, we don't know to what extent the frayed edges are. I mean, it could yeah. all be a, a psyop, you know, all those characters might not be in jail and I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that this is the kind of games that they play. I mean, I, it, whatever we think we've got a grasp on, I always suspect that there's a little bit, <laughs> a little more there that um, we have no idea about, which, you know, sure. it will come to light eventually. But it doesn't matter how awake we think there we are, they're, you know, three or four steps ahead. So as far as technology goes particularly, I think that's really given them, you know, it doesn't, that's possibly why there's so much blatancy now is because they just feel like, they've kind of won the game in the sense that they're, they're ahead with their technology and that, that has given them the upper hand in a lot of ways. We, we don't have access to create our own incredible technology like they've done. So in that sense, and, there is a bit of a force, you know? Yes. And I would say that um, that's a really good point too. And what we also know about having controlled opposition um, is that that's a very powerful tool. And I think that as much as they go on and on about mis and disinformation, that's because they are mis and disinformation experts. And we truly don't know from where it's coming, right? We have people that we can try to trust, that we can try to use our discernment, that we can try not to be fooled. But ultimately, at the end of the day, whenever you have so much information, you know, a fire hose of information, basically, and you have all of these different threads that are being thrown out there, it's, it's very hard to say what is actually what, you know, yeah. I think that we just have to try to cultivate our discernment as, as much as possible, but it's really hard these days. I yeah, agree. Very, very true. It's getting harder and harder. And the thing is that they, they also know that a lot of people have completely, even the normies have completely lost faith in the MSM. So of course they're going to have to control and infiltrate the truther industry and the truther community, which is, it's an industry, let's face it now. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they're going to control everything, including our place. Just, yeah. Well, I mean, Drizzle touched on it earlier, but we just, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just supporting and backing up what's already been said, but yeah, we have to definitely the discernment thing has to be really stepped up. Mm. And that's, that's why I keep harping on about certain things that people don't want to hear, like get off Netflix and stuff, because like there's enough, it's hard enough without inviting more pollution and more brainwashing and actually freaking paying for it. So like, I'm really sorry to say that and I'm sorry that it upsets people, but I'm going to keep harping on about it because it's just insane to me. It's insane. We're awake. We you know need what to keep harping doing. on we about know it. Who, yeah. We know the CEO yeah. dude was, you know, we know who he was, the nephew of Edward Bernays, the master of propaganda, the nephew of um, Freud. It's just a big yeah. propaganda um, machine and point- we're pumping money into it. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> anyone who is still paying for things like Netflix you're funding your own slavery, so you're doing it to yourself. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. I will just say that I have never paid for a streaming service in my, any time in my entire life, and I probably have used torrent services since I was like maybe thirteen. So, 
Yeah, I think that it's totally available. All the shit is that you want is available. Yes, I do buy physical books. I think that's really good, but, you know. Mm, yeah. And now we're moving into the um, Leave the World Behind, um, Sound of Freedom, Possible mm. Audio Frequencies, Brainwashing, blah, 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 that we have already touched on somewhere along the line. Um, and back to the patents. Oh, we did it on NUM, didn't we, Ashley? Um, NUM, <laughs> not your mum's news. Um, yeah. So that's another level. That's another level of propaganda. Even more reason not to get, not to get Which, involved in all this crap because this is such a it's a technological weapon. They're doing it. It's remote control. That's what it is. Which which chat was that video in? Was it the WTF chat uh, talking about the overlay audio in uh, Leave the World Behind? Uh, that I just mentioned then, do you mean? Yeah, yeah it was. I think, was it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought it was in Not Your Mama's News, was it? No, we talked about it in Not no, Your Mama's News, but Drew had, had shared a link on with it me. And then we went, yeah, right. And then you found a link WTF. also somewhere else and you shared it in WTF. Yeah. If someone can find that link, um, I'm just having a hard time. Um, in the meantime, you know, I'm all about bringing it back down to the streets. And, uh, you know, like we we can talk about Netflix, we can talk about politics, but like what's really happening in the cities. And, uh, you know, this is one of these moments where it's like, oh, the the depravity, like, can you believe what's happening? And you're trust me like this one. (laughs) I'm sorry. This one's going to going to surprise you. It's it's really it's I've never heard of anything quite like it. Oh man, my driveway's gone. What used to be a concrete slab outside 1438 Bethesda Street is now a patch of dirt that she didn't ask for. Someone took her driveway as she was trying to get ready for Christmas. Of all the things that you worried about getting stolen, did you think the driveway was one of them? <laughs> no, not at all. Come home and my driveway's gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, what the? Yeah. That's... I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. But I'm like, that's so funny. Uh, she got her driveway stolen. You know, like, you know what I think it was. I think like the the landlord like had a had a driveway paved, and then didn't pay for it, and so they yeah. came and like repossessed. And <laughs> stop Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I I wondered what why would someone steal concrete that's already (laughs) been laid? That makes no sense to me. (laughs) I don't know, but I I saw that. I'm like, this is for some reason like this is the latest in the city beat. You know, we cover the city. We cover the inner city of America. We've been doing it. We've been doing a good job. And this is the newest thing. Uh, Watch watch your driveway, (laughs) y'all. Well, I mean, it does create a new market, right? Driveway mm-hmm. protection. So. <laughs> uh, oh, this is one that gets me cheesing out, man. Like, I don't know why I think it's so fucking funny, but yeah, this poor lady, you know, <laughs> couldn't even. It's really Joe that's Biden's clown America, man. Yeah, that's clown world shit right there. Mm. I guess I. I wonder if there's a clause in the insurance, you know, like. <laughs> That was missing, that's gonna be a miss, first. If your if your driveway gets boosted. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell it's, you my driveway's truck, not covered for theft. 
I told all y'all my truck got broken too. And some, you know, my, my tools got took and I called my insurance company and I was too damn honest. He goes, you know, well, how many tools, like how much money do you figure? You know, how much was it worth? And I'm like thousand bucks, maybe 1500. He says, well, you're, you're, uh, what do you call it? Deductible. You got a thousand dollar deductible. So you're fucked. He's like, you could pay a thousand dollars to get a thousand dollars. You're fucked. So I don't think they're going to cover your drive. Yeah. Your driveway is uh that's mm. a loss. You're uh, when did that happen to you, Mike? Uh, Like a month ago, uh, three weeks, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, not. You know, it's funny they left a lot of shit that was kind of valuable, but yeah, yeah. What are you gonna so do? Like a very specific robbery. I wonder why it must be just stuff. Well, they wanted the truck. They 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 popped the ignition. They tried to get the whole truck, uh, but okay. they they left tools in the back. You know, they whatever. It ain't no thing. It is what it is, but. People in the city be uh, be hungry. Yeah. So do, is one of the things that you talked about the Trank epidemic, was that covered? Last last night? Uh, mm -hmm. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Because I, I'm curious to get people's take on what is the resolution to that? Like, I believe in people's ability to turn their life around from addiction and... <laughs> that type of thing. But when you see the videos of often it's Philadelphia, for example, and it looks like the actual zombie apocalypse, what, how do you come back from that? How can it possibly be done? Uh, Gavin Newsom has the solution that you're looking for. <laughs> Ashley, him and his friend, uh, Xi Jinping can tell you all about it. They just did it in San Francisco. Not too long ago. That is true. Now I did want to chime in on that, that I had a, um, a classmate that in autonomy and she lives in San Francisco. So we, I asked her about this on a call. Now I'm not saying she knows exactly, but I'm saying this is what she said that, it is common practice to relocate these people sometimes. And what they'll do is they will come out there. They'll give them a notice. They'll give, they'll set up dumpsters and stuff like that. They'll give people an opportunity to move and to throw away whatever and to leave. And then if they don't, that's when they come and they start just bold, you know, just like mm -hmm. bulldozing or, or whatever you want to say, carte blanche into the dumpsters and then they spray the street down. So she said it wasn't really that weird because I was asking her about the fact that a lot of people were like, well, what did you do with these people? You know, did you, did you kill them? Like, where did they go? She said it wasn't that uncommon. Now I don't yeah, know. No, they, 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 they go six blocks down the road. I heard right. this also, Ashley, from uh, DJ Poolhouse, who is a fellow podcaster. I've been on a show. Shout out to him. But he, I asked him, like, as soon as that stuff happened, like, what the F is going on? I, I won't swear because I know Sir Tim is watching. But, um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> uh, I did ask him right away. And he said that that exactly what you said, Ashley. Okay. Like, they moved them. 
a little further to the tenderloin, like where they usually are, but they spilled, they had been spilling over. And also I will say like in several capital cities in Canada, like this has become a problem. And they also have been camping outside of parliament buildings. Now our parliament buildings are much more like, I'm sure Stella's more like familiar with what that looks like, but they're usually red sandstone buildings, Victorian style. And so they're not huge. And so if you have like a homeless encampment outside in a park, it's going to look a lot bigger than it is because the just the surrounding area is just not as like grand as the U.S. So I just there is something that they're doing where they're sort of corralling them into very visible areas and then removing them when it's inconvenient and then kind of letting them slowly like urban decay slowly creep back. So there is something yeah. very strange about that. Okay. That that makes sense to me. And I, I mean, I guess part of it, because I do feel like it's the, the intentional destruction. We've talked about this, that they, they want these cities to crumble because they want to rebuild, you know, smart cities, the internet of bodies, yes. all of that it's, stuff there. It's a land, Controlled it's a land, demolition. Land grab. Land right. Grab. And, and then it'll be rebuilt as a complete and total surveillance city basically which that does make sense to me but then yeah. just on a human level and a recovery level what 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 can be done about these people that are on the streets that are like they're zombies like they probably have... not probably nothing for them like but besides giving them like a room in in like an asylum probably nothing just yeah. i'm just being honest yeah, well, and I think that's yeah, that's right. correct. I was wondering if anybody had a take, but it just seems, you know, and I'm not trying to be black pilled or anything no, these days. No. I'm really working on not being that way, but I don't see how they could come back from this. I don't, I don't think they come back. Honestly, I hate to say it, Ashley. Um, I am kind of black pilled about this. I'm like, if they wanted to do something, they would do it. They're not doing it. They don't want to do it. If anything, you know, all I see doing doing research for the last three or four WTF forums, I keep finding these little bits about um, nonprofit like NGOs mm -hmm. that are that are supposedly helping these folks, mm -hmm. <laughs> and some of them are literally passing out fentanyl. Yeah. They're passing. They're passing yeah. out blunts, and they're 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 enabling. You know, you know the uh, clean use kits or like safe use, whatever. They they're they're giving out the pipes. They're giving out the needles. Yeah, they're, like the the harm minimalization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harm, harm reduction. They call harm it reduction. Harm, yeah, harm reduction. And it's like, I mean, I. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's, it's like so the injecting rooms in the cities as well. Injecting rooms, I think they really they just want them to die off. That's eventually they're going to die off, and well, there's, here's a they, little help along the way. And that's the thing, though they they give Narcan out too, so it's almost like they're they're slapping a band aid on it to make it look like you know we want people to stay alive, but right. meanwhile, mm -hmm. meanwhile, like we're just going to enable and like. Yeah let it happen let them take yeah. over blocks of you know some you brought up philadelphia somebody like yeah there's a neighborhood of philadelphia after like two in the morning it just turns into a total 
like zombie land, open air drug market, like free for all. And they got to basically sweep up in the morning afterwards, you know, dead bodies and fucking needles. It's, it's dystopia now. Yes, it is. It's, it's so sad. It's super bleak. And the real problem that I have with it too, is because I think that this has been Obviously, we know that the the drug push in the United States with like crack, whether that was crack in the black communities or whether that was methamphetamine and now heroin, opioids, fentanyl into the, the white community now kind of blending into just this like drug community, but that it really took out, you know, the people that could have been a contender to fight the regime right to people that could have been awake about the regime like and a lot of it is fighting age men it's the same way that they take fighting age men out in military um you know it's like you have these military offenses that kill them out you have now vaccines that are killing people and you have the drug epidemic that's killing people but there's a you know there's an age group that's been targeted to and certainly the idea of dare the program dare drug abuse resistance Uh education was just to introduce children to drugs that never would have heard about this shit otherwise it was it was like you know predictive programming totally totally i i was a child of the dare program we had a cop we had a cop come into our class i remember it was a lady cop yeah real dykey kind of broad (laughs) Oh, but she was married though. But maybe, yeah, maybe. (laughs) But dude, I remember literally like they they taught us all this shit about drugs, right? And they're like weed among them. And then like two, three years later, I get stoned for the first time, and I'm like, those dare motherfuckers were a bunch of exaggerating lion ass motherfuckers. Like, and and therefore, therefore, nothing they say is valid right it's like it's counter it's counter programming it's like once you realize they were lying about one thing oh well fuck it let's try something else you know it's it's nothing really that new though it's like it's just the scale i think that's exponentially exploded and it's all in our faces now like we can't really It's the same here. Um, we can't really. Well, no, it, I, I shouldn't say it's the same here. It's nothing like what you guys have got over there. But there's a there's a version. Everything's smaller scale over here. I did notice when I went to Brisbane last, and I had like I think I've been to Brisbane twice or three times in my life. Um, and the last time I went, which was only a few months ago, I noticed a quite um, a lot of. It's starting to look a little bit like that, like just starting to turn. There's the homelessness and the 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 full-on drugs like where, that just turns people into crazy people, just doing weird shit, you know, and there was a lot of them. Like you could see very mentally disturbed people on the street. Um, I suppose the reason for that is to the climate. It's a pretty good place to be homeless, you know. It never really gets all that cold, although <laughs> lately, but that's another story. But, um, yeah, I mean, like we had the smack edem- epidemic in, um, uh, I don't know if you've heard, ever heard of King's Cross. It was quite a... Um, yeah, quite a sort of a dangerous place, actually, really, to go in the 70s and, and 80s. They cleaned it up a lot eventually, like gentrified everything, and um, a lot of the places in the middle of Sydney had that treatment. But, um, yeah, it was very much a, like a, a very drug-runny sort of, you know, mafia-ish 
that kind of place where it's just like fully criminal, <laughs> enter if you dare kind of thing. I mean, not that bad. I shouldn't exaggerate it too much, but you know what I mean? Like for the nice people of the 70s, it was fairly heavy place to sort of hang out. Full of, you know. Yeah, there was some risk. There was some risk associated with going there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, as teenagers, you'd sort of it would be fun to go through King's Cross, you know, and just see if you can come out alive, basically, <laughs> or you know, unhurt. Or, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was. Um, it got cleaned up a lot. So, but yeah, I mean, um, they've got the injecting rooms, like you guys have. You guys mm-hmm. have got them, haven't you? Or? Started in Vancouver, actually, by a very well-known journalist father. I will say, someone who's very pro. Um, not the one country, the other one, or the pseudo pseudo country. But yes, it started by his father um, in the late '90s. It was the first in North America, in a really really rough part of the city, the downtown East Side. Really rough, like as rough as any American of the roughest place you've ever been in the U.S. It's that rough, and like not barely safe to drive in. And uh, it, it's only gotten worse. So, yeah, that's where we're at with that. And it just really ruined a whole generation, particularly of uh, Indigenous men. That's really who was affected because they all moved to Vancouver because it's very temperate and you could survive there in the winter, whereas obviously Canada is extremely cold in the winter. Vancouver is pretty much the only place you can go. So, yeah, that's a really rough Uh, part of the country it's very notorious the people who've never lived in vancouver will know that even that neighborhood by name so i'll just offer that sorry i didn't mean to end on a block though i just i wanted to add that you know it's it's there definitely is like a push there definitely is it's very very mediated it's very there's a plan we all know so yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to say um, on that topic. Oh, sorry. I lost my thought. Yeah. Mike, you're muted. You were going to talk. Sorry. Go ahead. Can you find the thought? Because I wasn't saying anything good. You can carry on if you want. Oh, um, I think. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I remembered it because, you know, that's one of the things, one of the the proponents of the libertarian thought, right, is like that as long as you're not hurting yourself or as long as you're not hurting anyone else, like you should be able to do drugs. So technically you would have libertarians supporting this type of thing, right? Like the harm reduction centers and stuff like that. But they're all state funded. Correct. Yeah. But maybe the idea, you know, and of course I can't speak for all libertarians, but I'm just saying, I think that the idea that you should just be able to use drugs in this particular environment is bullshit. Because we see where it, like where it's going, right? So maybe when you don't live in a society that's actively being uh, targeted for demoralization and for like degeneracy and, and like promoting degeneracy, maybe, but in today's day and time, it's, it's not helpful. And they flooded the whole market with fentanyl. We know that's a fact. Even they were even saying, I was reading on Twitter, some like degenerate millennials that I follow were talking about like MDMA and they can't even take that anymore. And you can't even take tabs of acid. Like I'm very granola. I would never do that. But, you know, lots of people do. And I've never judged anyone for doing any substances. But supposedly, I, I think- supposedly weed even is having fentanyl. 
I've heard that too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just really unsafe unless you're growing it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I covered, I, I covered some of this last night. Stella was there for some of it, but, uh, I did a six hour episode last night, y'all. It was, it was, it was retarded. It was retarded, but actually I think it was really good. Um, but yeah, it went long. So what are you going to do? Stella, sorry. I stepped on you. That's okay. Uh, I can't remember. I was just going to say anyway, we, you know, like we were talking about yesterday, doing longer things, it's, we have to expand the attention span because they've, they, <laughs> TM, have uh, reeled it in on the people. And it's like, <laughs> it's funny. I was, cause I said yesterday with you and Drew, I said, it's like, um, it's about seven seconds or something. And now it might be about three. It's like less than a goldfish. And then, I was watching Corbett this morning and I heard him say it's about less than a goldfish now. It's hilarious. So, um, yeah, backing up. Thank you. <laughs> um, but it is. It's We have to sort of expand. I mean, it's, it can't get much shorter, can it? Because, like, he, as Corbett was saying too, um, it's sort of like the, you know, the news is like 24 hours is something different. And it's like it's going to get to the point. It's going to be even worse this year. It's get to the point of it's, it's something every second, every second. And it's just never ending. I mean, we all know that, but it's just going to intensify and speed up. So I well, think um, once we get you know, to less than a second, we'll finally have Al my balls. One hundred percent, dude. Yeah, <laughs> Id- idiocracy. That's what we've all been waiting for. Yeah, I you know I keep saying like hashtag dystopia now. No, it's idiocracy now. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really have to see that film. Everybody's yeah, been telling to, me to see Stella. it. <laughs> That's your homework. Get her done. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make notes. You need to watch it. I thought I saw it. Is there an idiocracy two as well? Because I thought I saw no, that somewhere. No. no, there's not. Okay. All right. Cool. No, just the one. Now, another movie that Mike Judd, Judge, or is it Judd or Judge, uh, made judge uh that is also prescient is office space so they're not the same but it is a good companion um you know a little (laughs) i mean it's it's pretty brilliant as well well it 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 it, it's the best thing i've seen that summarizes like the um malaise is that the right word yeah Mm -hmm. the soul-sucking nature of corporate america hundred percent yeah oh Stella knows a little bit about that because i shared her because i have a a mean impression of nina from corporate accounts payable so stella and i did cover that on the news one day (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna need you to come on in on saturday uh because we really we really need you to get those those TPS reports filed. No, no. Yeah. Blow, blow my fucking brains out. Actually, honestly, office space was something that really hit me hard as a teenager. I'm like, I will die before I end up in a cubicle. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you received the message. Oh, me too. I'm totally with you on that one. hundred percent. Yeah. Done it, done it briefly once. And it's like, that was well and truly enough. There's one little last point that I'd like to bring up if we, before we close, if that's where you were heading, 
um, just quickly, because uh, we were talking, we were talking yesterday about doing the, you know, sort of the list of tipping the hat to people or what have you, and I couldn't really think of anyone much in Australia. I looked up Russell Crowe and I realised he was actually pro-vax and everything. I sort of thought he might not have been. Like I, I, I'm the worst person to ask because I don't keep my eye on the social things and the whoever mm-hmm. the people are and whatever. I'm completely out of touch with all that. Um, one person did come to mind and that was Dr. Karen Phelps, who is um, she's got a bit of a history. Like she's um, she was like the first, the first openly gay, I don't know, something or other politician or doctor or something like that back in the earlier days when the, the gay thing was just sort of starting to get a movement, and. Um, she was the, the first gay couple to adopt a child in New South Wales and all that sort of thing. Anyway, she was also president, I believe, or deputy president or something of the AMA, which is the Australian Medical Association, for some time. She was in parliament. She's had a lot of, you know, she's had a lot of awards and things. She's been quite a groundbreaker, I suppose. And she's also spoken up for things like, you know, a bit more about alternative medicine and stuff. So she's, even though she's fully in the system, she's still got a bit, you know, going for her. Um, she's in of the Jewish origin, I know that. Um, but anyway, she was all pro-vax, pro-vax, and then she ended up getting a, a vaccine dis- um, injury and so did her wife. And so they spoke out about it publicly. She was the only person that really came to mind for me. And uh, I was sort of looking for a little bit of, there's a, there's a bit about her on the on the internet, you know, the sort of stuff that we've heard, but there's not a whole lot. But the, the biggest thing that I noticed was I remember sort of the opposite way that was someone I would tip my hat to because she did speak out about it, like regardless, you know, of her industry and what have you, because she, she could speak from experience. It was not only her and her, it was her wife as well. So she was just calling for more research before it got injected into millions of people. But um, it also took me to, I remember at the time of, um, I was looking up who uh, in the music industry was standing up, you know, for and against didn't see a whole lot that I remember as against. Um, but the way I could tell was there was this thing called vaccination.com.au and that was basically, a, well, I've got it up here. It's a website where, um, you know, all the supporters in the music industry who are, all, you know, pro-jab were all listed. And um, anyway, that website's gone now <laughs> and it would be very interesting to look up if somebody had the time to look up um, a whole bunch of all the different artists and see how they are these days because I'm wondering why on earth they would completely wipe that. It was quite a very core tool that they used through that whole debacle. So it was, you know, it was the whole propaganda of if your favourite artist is telling you to do it, then, you know. Um, and there's a huge list of them. And, boy, my heart sank over and over again while I was reading that list. This is two years ago. Um, and it was like, okay, well, <laughs> we know who's, you know. Basically the people who weren't on the list makes me wonder, I guess, I guess. But, you know, there was it was a lot of closed lips. Um, again, I wasn't fully in contact with, you know, all the social people. But, um, yeah, so it was interesting. But, anyway, I found the uh, vaccination.com.au on the Wayback Machine. That's still there. So um, it's not going to mean anything much to you guys because you won't know half the people, well, most of the people on the list. But if there's any Aussies listening, go to the Wayback Machine. Just have a look at the huge big list that you can't now see. (laughs) And the the domain is completely available. Like. (laughs) What kind of disappointment is Nick Cave? I mean, that that was just – Pathetic. 
he was just pushing all the terrible stuff of the state. It's he used to be such a rebel um, mm. in the in the early '80s, and yeah, now I I can't even look at him without being upset. Well, there's a whole list of them, isn't there? I mean, we could go through all the people that were all rebelly and anti-establishment, and then are calling for no unvaccinated people at our concerts. It's pretty bad. So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that that website had disappeared completely. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, and I wanted to say it's not exactly related, Stella, but I think it's um, it's an interesting point. So, um, amazing Polly. Now, this <laughs> oh, yeah. this lady ticked me off lately. She's on on Twitter, but she's done some stuff with I think. Uh, within the alternative space, maybe with RFK's establishment, she was an asshole to Jen recently on Twitter, so that pissed me off. Um, but she ended up creating a list. Yeah, Mike shared it here. So this is sort of her pipeline of who she thinks is the controlled, quote, alt media. And, well, and this I was crowdsourced, it, too. Yeah, it was hold on, she's... she's- with RFK Jr. and she's telling you who's controlled? I don't know if she's still with Children's <laughs> Health Defense Fund, but I'm pretty sure okay. she has done work with them before, yes. Yeah, a lot of these people are, are complete grifters and posers. Yeah, so the only one that I, and I don't know every single person on this list, but I, the only one I that recognize I really, most of them. Yes, I was really hoping, I hope that Jimmy Dore isn't. Of course, I thought about it because he's he's very big. His platform is growing, growing, growing. But anyway, I thought it was an interesting thing. And a lot of people get really butthurt if you point out mm-hmm. what I would consider the big five, which is Tucker, Brand, Jones, Rogan, and Poole. Yeah. The one I see that I wish wasn't here is Michael Malice. But I, oh come I, on! No, you you just don't know enough yet. Michael Malley yeah. is such a, a you, no. you need to yeah. yeah. I guess not. Keep digging. Yeah, he was pro digging. He was pro. Yeah, he's Cato Institute. Exactly. Mm. Mm. He's he's and, and that doesn't Sachs, mean that Ukrainian I don't Jew. like a lot of the things that he says because exactly. I do, but mm-hmm. I recognize him for what he is. He's a provocateur. And he was also. Made by that, uh, who's the taxi cab guy that looks exactly like Derek Chauvin? Oh, who was uh, that dude? That, but that is from, the guy. From cash, who cash, made cab? Him, cash Cab yeah. guy is who made him famous. So that's kind really? of funny. Yeah. Well, that. I mean, yeah. Before he was famous, I guess he was on Cash Cab. But that's how they always do this with these people preliminarily. Right. Like they, they run huh. them out slowly in things you know uh it also if you want to be in hollywood watching. you end up on game shows a lot yep and i just want to say thank you ashley for being ride or die for me <laughs> you didn't have to <laughs> against her she's a uh, yeah she attacks smaller accounts and she has a really pretty big account so she yeah. should not do that not cool yeah i am ride or die for my friends of course um that's just my that's how I oh. am. There's not uh, very surprise any surprises on that list for me at, at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, RFK is on the list and so is Jimmy Dore. Um Yeah, it, Jimmy's yeah, there it, at the bottom. So here's the thing about Jimmy Dore. He will continue to 
to push for the the Medicare thing all mm-hmm. the freaking time, even though mm-hmm. he's been checked on this hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. If you want, if you want health care for people, you don't run it through the state. The state's just creating a, deba- a database on who to kill first. Right. That that's that's he all the state this. would do in the, with that kind of thing. Yeah, he, they should know. People this. have told and, him so many times. I'm sorry, Ando. It's the my biggest contention with Jimmy. It's because he his whole thing is progressivism. He will never let it go. He will always consider himself a leftist, no matter how based and red pilled, quote unquote, he is. He will always consider himself a leftist. He will always go. And being a leftist is just being part of the DNC machine. That is it. Yeah. Anyone who calls himself will always go that way. So he he had been pretty good about all of the stuff up till the, the vax came out. We all told him not to take it. And and he got injured. So, like, we were telling him, even though, you know, he sort of sat in the enemy camp, we were still telling him, don't take that fucking vaccine, Jimmy. And he still did it. And and look at what happened to him. Yeah. Now he gets so crazy with all his fun leftist friends because he because he took it and got injured. Now, the other person, the other person I would add on here, I don't see Peter McCullough, but I, I think he's in this category as well. Hundred percent, certainly. Yeah, yep. I, I put yep. him. I I put Sadly. him in my list. I put him in my list of people that we did not do based or bogus on. Yeah, but was. we we should. Um, so I think maybe for the sake of the listener and our own also, sake, let's. I would like. I would like to just run through this list, and we'll. Um, because between the handful of us, we can name all these people. Right. Sorry, I don't yeah, mean to I cut know, you off, Stella, but I. Are. I think this is worth doing, right? So we got Tucker, we got uh Brand, we got we got Alex Jones, Joe Rogan, Tim Pool. Who's this motherfucker? Bongino. Bongino. Bongino is okay. kind of based in a way. Like Zio Zio He was a tool, man. He was Secret Service. Come on. For Obama, <laughs> might I add. I just like what he says. I just appear based because you're supposed to like what he says. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I so, get it. I'm guilty of that too, right? I like Jimmy Dore. I don't, you know, I, know, I don't I know. You know, so I get it. Then we've got um this guy. I know I've watched a bunch of his shit. Um oh, I is see that call on the list. PBD. There he is. He's He's down Patrick there Bet- on the second okay. to last room. Okay. All right, we'll get there. But Patrick Bet David. Yes. All right, then Another we come over Armenian. here. Candace Owens. Can- Candace Owens. Uh, this is um, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. Yep. Bannon. We- fucking uh, Ben Shapiro. Shapiro <laughs> Brett Weinstein. Yeah, Jordan so Peterson. Obvious. So obvious. Who's, who's this Lex guy? Friedman. Oh, that's the AI. Oh, yeah. Okay, who about... Who's that? That's guy? the singularity. <laughs> Douglas Murray. He's Douglas a Murray. conservative. He's a gay conservative commentator in the UK. Mm. Okay, and it doesn't matter. So Is this uh, Fox face. News? Fox Megan News. Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly. Formerly Fox News. Okay. CIA cutout. Megan yeah, Kelly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I might add. X-Fox, Those are Richard yeah. Grove's words, not mine. Coming back over here, I see Andrew Tate, but who's this guy mm. next to him? Ian Miles Ian Chong. Miles Chong. He's a product okay. of the Twitter machine. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then we got Dave Rubin. The... Gross. <laughs> who's who's this Chuck? Who's this Chuck Chuck looking motherfucker? Glenn Greenwald. Oh uh, yeah, Brazilian oh, porn star, right? Yes. Argentinian porn Another star. Another like that. He owns. He's not a porn star. He owns supposedly, so allegedly, 
I hope he's not. Quantum <laughs> studio, and he has had one since the early 90s. Gross. So, and he has content boring porn ever. right now that he makes money off of, for a fact. Gross. Wait, is this just a list of gay Jews? <laughs> <laughs> Are they really there women? Candace Owens there's, isn't a Jew. Come there's on. There's some overlap. Pilgrim Society. <laughs> So here's the thing is is calling all these people feds is wrong. They're not feds, but there's something. They're tied into the establishment in some way. They're all actors. Can I? I They all have parts of their history that demonstrate that they can be leveraged. Each and every single one of them. Yes, 100%. It could be that. Also, I sort of tend to think that, you know, the elite, they have – children and grandchildren don't they so i think that's what these people are it's the generations below the lizards um who are in the entertainment industry and in the news and whatever that's their jobs because that's the way of the world now so that's their professions not not all of them can be a a klaus schwab or a yuval noah harari (laughs) i mean you know they can try but uh they're special so um yeah these people are just everyday elite lizard babies i think Sure. And if, if they're not, what's the difference? They're, they're yeah. being used as a tool mm-hmm. to, well, you the know, the, the Pied Piper. True. The loyalty sort of thing, though, I suppose. Like if it's in the blood, there's just – because to me it's sort of like it, – it, it's almost like there's no conscience when you, when you really know that there's a controlled oppositioner and you're listening to what they're saying. It's almost like, wow, they either really believe this, which could be, could be the case, MK, or – they just have been fully trained. Like this is their whole training from babyhood to do this job against us. I don't know. That seems a oh, bit yeah. way out. Yeah, but who mean, knows like, what goes on underground? Yeah, who knows? Tucker and Obama are both, you know, they're both CIA babies. And they have been raised to work in that kind of thing. But back to it well, not being all intelligence. They're, there's somebody paying them, but it's not yeah, It's not well, the, the feds. It's, yeah. don't, it's don't somebody. Don't forget. That all across the country, right, we grew up with a a slightly different version of the gifted and talented program, right? We we were sorted at a very, very young age by the people who control these industries. They These people were selected a long time ago for the roles that they were going to play eventually. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. And I'm a little bit bitter that I wasn't selected. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there too. Hey, hey, hey. they're they're <laughs> you don't loss. Want to go to the island. So he says it's their, it's their loss. We're the uh, we're the forgotten, gifted, and talented kids over here. Oh no, they cast yeah. me out. I wasn't forgotten. I was thrown out. <laughs> yeah, they probably said you had the uh, what is it? The authoritarian defiant disorder or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they said when I disorder. took the Yeah, I had the I had the the bad kid gene. Do you want to marry a Rothschild Welcome. and get an Illuminati tattoo? <laughs> Do you want to have your your entire crappy marriage exposed on your ring cam and be gay like like Stephen Crowder? Or uh, Paul Pelosi. Oh, but okay, anyway, okay. can we can we run yeah. through this list? Let's finish yeah. the list. Yeah. The so speaking of, speaking of Stephen Crowder, so right now we 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 paused right before Scott Adams. Lots Scott of things Scott to say Adams. about him. Yeah. Is he any relation to Mike Adams by any chance? 
I the health ranger. It. I don't think yeah. so. Okay. There's a whole there's a whole shitload of Adams. Is there's lots yeah. of people who's, with two first names. Who's yeah, this? There's guy? also another another Mike Adams who's a hell of a baseball player uh, who is not the health ranger. <laughs> fairly fairly common name. So yeah. yeah, let's move on. Who's this feller? Is that Donald Trump's son. Yeah. Oh, no. is it? Uh, is it? Uh, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. That is. That's Don Jr. Uh, no. No, that's not. Mm-mm. You yeah. sure? I'm a hundred percent. Yeah, I would. So who is it? That I don't know. To run it through AI. Wow, it's got... not Donald Trump Jr. That's definitely who it's not. But yeah, we got. I thought it was. Got, we got stumped. Who yeah, are these? They're the ones from redacted. They're the ones from redacted. Yeah, that's redacted. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it was John and Kate plus eight or something. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so what's the deal? Why is everybody shitting on redacted these days? Like everybody I listen to is talking about redacted, like they did something bad. Like did they? Was I, I mean. There's, I never thought they were very good to begin yeah. with, but yeah, I always but, controlled. Did they do something always. in particular, like like you know, um, when we talk about Stu Peters, we're we're talking about some specific stuff that that Stu did that was kind of over the top, sensational, right? But uh, did they do something along those lines, or was it was there? Did they shill for like Zionism, anything like that? Do you I mean, because it, it feels like in the last couple weeks. They've been like everybody just mentions them as like not credible news, basically. Well, possibly because they're so convincing that they've only just come on people's radars. Possibly because yes, I agree. I have seen a few things about Redacted uh, in the last couple of weeks, I suppose. But um, I don't know. I can't answer your question because I don't follow them because I thought they were controls. So stop watching. Yeah, I was, I was just wondering that aloud because you know I. Don't think so. I I'd hardly heard anything from them before, but now everybody makes sure to mention them just to mention them because they don't like them to mm-hmm. to say, Oh, I don't like the show to disassociate from it. Mm. I'm not familiar with those guys. So I have no, no idea on that one. Yeah. I mean, they had I mean, Tucker on quite a few times. Um, they were very slow. I mean, it was like right during the lockdowns here there was very little information. Like, obviously, I watched Grand Theft World and, like, all the other sh- and propaganda report and all the shows. But, you know, we, I was starved for information. So sometimes I would watch that. But, you know, it just was not my... It's more boomer vision. So... That was something that I did notice about them, actually, was the things that they reported on and stuff was the kind of things that we knew well and truly knew about, you know, well and truly in advance gotcha. before gotcha. they got hold of it so that's often the case they're just there to sort of you know distract and make it feel like you're not alone you you've got your friends there alongside you they're like the it's often about the company they keep uh, independent media basically yeah it's often about the company that they keep and the things that they don't say or they won't talk about gotcha so let's let's carry on you know partly i want to point out Agent is no, that, no, no, is no. that he's ONI. He's ONI, man, not NSA. Oh, okay, okay. Naval intelligence. Jack, Jack Posobic right here. Yep. And next yep. down to that's Zuby. He's a yep. he's yep. a rapper. He's very like his whole background is all like bouncing all over the world. So he's he's definitely sus. Yeah, and he then, grew up in like Qatar or Saudi or one of those. Mm. Golf yep. states. Uh, yeah, he was an Aramco kid. I bet. 
And yeah. there's definitely a lot of imagery of him doing some of the Masonic hand symbols as well. A lot of people 100%. have called him out for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really big there. We already covered Michael Kretschmer, uh, another gay Jew. <laughs> um, he, he will not will admit being gay. I will just point out that Jack is Polish and Catholic, so there obviously is maybe a regional thing. It might not just be religious. There might be like a, you could say maybe a borderland kind of like identity that exists that isn't necessarily outwardly religious. So let me just throw that out there. Well, I, 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 will, I will agree with it. Ando, you know, he, he has a bit of a gay vibe. Oh, he's totally gay. Oh, Mal. And also, gay. oh, well, yeah. Is Mal's he openly is gay, gay or no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's not openly so- gay. He alludes to it all the time. And uh, it, he had a beard for a minute. It was that Bitcoin chick, uh, the Playboy Bitcoin girl. She was a bearding for him for a moment, but I don't think she's bearding for him anymore. Um, who's him as like- face over here? He's wicked, wicked smart. Like that's what's kind of scary about him. Like I agree with. Uh, him. He's just clever. He's got a stingy. Wit. He's clever. Yeah, he's clever. Yeah, he's sometimes quick. He, he's, he's not quick. funny on Twitter yeah. at all, though. Sometimes he fails really bad. Like he just cannot. I don't know. Sometimes he's good, and then sometimes he's like really lame. So you know, I think, I think he and uh, and Vivek have like a similar similar vibe. They're very quick witted. They're very fast on their feet, but you know, does that, that mean he's a good salesman? That's all. Yeah, it's very. It, it is the salesman kind of. Uh, vibe. That's what they need. Yeah. I mean, so these people who's... need to be selling, selling the truth because it's just a product. Truth tm. <laughs> so who's who's this next guy? By malice. Don't know. Yeah, half his face is blacked out. That's a really weird photo to it's, put up. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. Joker. It's Joker. It yeah. is. Right. I don't know who that is either. All right, who's this? Uh, One this Aaron Rodgers looking motherfucker. I think his name's Colin something. He's a Twitter personality. He's also mm-hmm. gay. He is not uh, Jay though. He is okay. um, very waspy and like more white identity oriented, but like in a kind of gay libertarian way <laughs> i don't mean a gay libertarian way i mean gay comma libertarian yeah way. i i'm i'm just loving I'm, I'm just loving that we're like we're probably the only podcast doing this kind of thing right now so this is Bro, awesome most people want to talk to some of these people so they, they yeah. won't talk shit about them but yeah uh, so yeah i'll talk shit about all of these people all these <laughs> who's this guy this uh he he's looks definitely like gay that, looking he looks like that, <laughs> that that young guy they got playing Spider Man these days. Yeah, I don't he looks know. like my best friend in high school, so he's definitely gay. <laughs> okay, so n- we don't know him. <laughs> it could be uh, yeah. London. That's this guy is a UK doctor. Sorry. No. Oh, is he? Uh, no. Are we Sorry, up to the next so- guy yet? If you know, if you know, oh, this guy's a UK doctor. This young guy. None of us know him. I thought Correct? we were moving on. I'm sorry. We were gonna, yeah. We good. This guy, yeah. yeah. UK doctor. I forget Campbell. his name. Campbell. John Campbell. John Campbell. Not, okay. not actually a doctor. Right, a nurse, but he has like a PhD or something. Really? Right. Yeah, yep. you know, he's another one of those that took it and then came back later as somebody against it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, another one. Yep. Um, you know these people. 
I've noticed this commonality. Like it's it's almost like they go to this school of how to be, you know, convincing and sell the truth and what have you, and and they're given this free range to okay, you got to come up with some shtick, mm-hmm. and they they're sort of allowed to pick whatever their shtick's going to be because mm-hmm. every single one of them have got something about them, like the chick with the whiteboard, the guy with the pen that's always circling things, Dr. John Campbell. Uh, they all seem mm-hmm. to have something about them that's really unique and really convincing. And it's like, I mean, there has to be a huge web and lots of tentacles of all these personalities because there's so many personalities in the world to have to cover. So if somebody doesn't like that one, they're going to like that one. You know, well, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how it works in sales too. Oh, you don't like like my my pitch? Well, how I'll let my buddy over here do it. He's probably yeah, completely more your type anyway. Exactly. I mean, it's no different to you know Hollywood stars. These people are just becoming like modern day rock stars. They're media rock stars basically, 100%. and they and they all end up doing tours, and they all end up they've got frozen food, or, you know, dried food for sale, and all that kind of crap. It's all oh. the same, same stuff. And the letter Z is often involved. <laughs> just saying. Uh, wait, that's not Pierre McCullough. That's Robert Malone, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. our Bob. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yep. yep. Big time Fed government, like a Department of Defense guy. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Oh, yeah, yeah. Adjacent uh, is the uh, correct terminology. Yes. Yeah. And you know who's missing off this list? That seems very blatant to me, and that's Matt Walsh. Oh yes. Well, I mean, you got Shapiro on there, so right, that and basically Candace covers Owen. that whole operation. Well, I mean, you could have thrown in Jeremy in there. Yeah. He is from us. So, there's a few that you could yeah. also anybody, put in there, really. Anybody need I, dull razors or shitty chocolate? <laughs> we're we're going to we're going to save the fucking country with some shitty chocolate. Y'all ready? Wait, who are we talking about here? Which one of these get? Oh, hey. Jeremy boring boring Jeremy as I like to call him. The Daily Wire <laughs> gang. Daily Wire. Oh, that Daily guy, Wire. I don't know who yeah. that is. Oh, the okay. Daily Kvetch. This guy. <laughs> or is it No, this this uh Greg we, we, Greg Hey, uh, what's Red Foreman doing there? This Why one? is yeah. Red Foreman next to Greg Gutfield and Anderson <laughs> Pooper? Why <laughs> is Anderson Drew? Pooper in there? Oh, that's Doctor Drew. Okay, Dr. sorry, Drew, yeah. they look the same to me. Yeah, Stephen <laughs> Crowder. Oh my God, Crowder. they look the same. Yeah. Who are Who who's, are these three? That? So Brett that Weinstein is, uh, is like the other Weinstein. I'm oh, that's yeah, the other that's one. Eric oh. Weinstein. That's yeah. actually Eric Weinstein from. I want to say it's. A, I know that picture. I know what that picture is taken from. I want to say it was a picture with Epstein, but I'll probably get in trouble if I say that. <laughs> uh, beside him is uh, Ava Vlardingerbrook, I think oh, is how yeah. you pronounce her last name. That's uh, not a real uh, The hot name. Swede. Yeah, that got kicked out oh. of mainstream media over there in the European the Union during COVID. And uh, now everybody wants to fuck her. Uh, and then, of course, our, our buddy, Jimmy Dore. Jimmy Dore. Bring it Jimmy up the Dore. rear. Yeah. Jimmy Shut Dore. the front door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the one that bothers me the most is Jimmy Dore. Although I could have, you know, I'm I would have I would have considered it. I still like Jimmy Dore Wait, to this, an extent. This I think investors it's more people list around them. That's interesting. They're trying to say that Trump is funding most of this. It's kind of funny. Yeah, Trump. Uh, but who Elon, are these people? No. Trump and Elon, and then I don't know these two. Peter Thiel on the left, and. Ah. 
steel box I'm not quite is real. sure who that is on the right. I is that Steel's Omidyar? Pierre Omidyar? Nobody know that guy. Well, and then so that's that's well, yeah, because Omidyar's doing like all the progressives, like he was the guy that funded uh Greenwald and getting the intercept off the ground, yeah, Pierre Omidyar. Uh, so he usually does like the stuff on the left side of the political spectrum, and Thiel funds the the stuff on the right side of the political spectrum so that they can do the whole synthesis thing, yeah. 100%. 100%. Oh, and Thiel does fund a lot. And it's of fucking obvious, right? too. Like, I don't understand how oh, people absolutely. can't figure this out. Okay, so yeah. she <laughs> does have the blaze in here. Okay, because I was like, well, how are you not going to have Glenn Beck and that Rumble. whole thing? But Duh. the blaze is right there. Yeah. There's a there's quite so, a, there's a number of them that didn't make that list. Mm-hmm. We've, we've, got, we've got the investor category with these, like, four-plus uh, whatever Cantor Fitzgerald is, never heard of it. I think it's a lot. Uh, then- Cantor Fitzgerald is a uh, uh, like a PR firm. Okay. Okay. And then we got this this group Kinda in like, the middle, uh, McKinsey. We've oh, like the- bad like that. Yeah. Okay. This is the this Daily here- Wire. Which one just, is that? I, I just I want to explain for Daily the Daily Wire is Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh. Oh, that's right. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. All those guys, yeah. yeah. We we've got three groups. We've got investors, and then it says cross promotion, and it's mm-hmm. got X, Rumble, Daily Wire, Rebel News, InfoWars, mm-hmm. The Blaze, and then Vivek Ramaswamy, uh Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And fucking Elon Musk. Elon right. appears. Elon appears twice. In <laughs> three in, times. In, he's oh. omnipotent. Yeah, no, he's in all three. But is he? He's the richest no. man in the world. So well, he represents X. <laughs> oh, oh, I guess right. you're right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. it's the good one yeah. and the he, bad one. I think it's funny that people think he's the richest man in the world. He's definitely not. No. So, so then this group of people that we've listed. Uh, they don't really have a title except they're part of this entire group, which is new establishment uh, narrative gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. So, these yeah, are you'll the, notice these are you'll the notice heads. You know, the elephant in the room is the fact that the uh, the WTF form clearly is not listed. Well, we're not on this list. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that Teal does fund a lot of, um, I guess not like our kind of circle podcast, but like more of the dissident TM, dissident left, dissident right podcast. Like the that's the post I typed you right. in Drizzle. Does he? Yes. He's like the per- perfume nationalist fuck. and I, I can't see nationalists taking money from. He a also calls himself a Republican like and it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. None of that shit matters. Yeah. The only thing that matters is the money and the outcomes. That's yep. it. Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. Yep, the rest is just fluff. You can't get hung up on anything else mm-hmm. yes. because they yes. don't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's just, it's incredible. It's so frustrating because you think that some people have sort of come so far down the track with that, you know, we've talked about it, they've listened to things, they've watched stuff. They've talked about it, and then they still turn around and go, "Oh, maybe this guy's going to be." It's like, "Oh my god, really, really?" Look at look at <laughs> how many people got caught in in the Israel Hamas thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I've, I heard time after time after time people say, you know, I turned around and this person that I thought was like getting it was all of a sudden pro Israel or pro Palestine. Yeah. hundred. Well, yeah. They got sorted. Yeah. Totally. Like really like the Russia, Ukraine stuff. It was almost like that, but like maybe even more intense this time around. Oh, I think it was people really definitely more that. intense because you got the religious thing in there as well. So you got the fully Christian idealists or, you know, the fundamentalists that sort of got caught up in a lot of stuff as well. 100%. And I will say, like, it's funny because Ashley and I talk about this a lot, that the U.S., like, their, your state or whatever, the American government went more pro-Israel, but ours went more pro-P. So it's just really interesting how that dialect really Mm. works. And the unions all supported P. So everyone in Canada is really, like, pro-P. And the I is more dissident here that's how it's kind of framed so it's just it's very interesting to me how that works Uh, different locations have different dialectics at play at different times for the same story well the end result is that canada is probably going to end up taking in a lot of palestinians when they they inevitably are displaced so um so maybe that's 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 how they're going to get rewarded for that situation. Um, we already you know, have you. We have. Quite oh, a... I know. You, y'all are kidding. Y'all are the dumping grounds for the you know some of the, some of the worst kinds of uh, third worlders that mm-hmm. you know that that I wants to dump in other places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I did want to chime in really quick. That uh, Sir Tim of the Tunnels said that. Uh, add Laura Loomer to that list, and he said there are no heroes. Hundred percent. Yep, hundred percent. I disagree. Laura Loomer is nowhere near the level of those other people on that list. She does not deserve to be included (laughs) there. She sucks, and her work sucks. Big, big she's not a journalist. She wants to be an influencer, and she's failed at that. She does not deserve to be anywhere near that list. I'm sorry. I've what about? Stella Q brought it up. What about Naomi Wolf? 100% her husband's a CIA agent. Mm. Also, she's been hanging out with Bannon a ton lately. And yeah, Bannon's on that list. Different. But I remember actually I, I watching said... her. Sorry. <clears throat> I remember actually watching her on Union of the Unwanted. It was one that Monica was on. And uh, it was, what's the guy's name? Ricky the main guy. Over um, Yeah. Um, and basically, yeah, so Naomi was had been invited to be part of it and there was she was sort of about to take part in some Jewish ritual. And, oh, not ritual, like, um, yeah, didn't you know that? She's a, yeah. Anyway. I was going to say, tell me more. Yeah. She, what, when I say ritual, I should probably say festival. <laughs> But whatever. Um, wow. <laughs> same, same. Anyway, same. Uh, so she was basically on time, and you know, they were sort of mucking around a little bit. You know, you could sort of see they weren't they weren't sort of you know getting on with a schedule, you know, type thing. And you could see that she was kind of getting a bit flurried, and it was just I don't know. I just got this vibe from her. It was just like, oh, these fucking cockroaches. You know, hurry up. <laughs> I don't know. I just got this vibe. It was just this real, she just didn't want to be there. She just, it was really unimportant. It was just like she had to do this thing with these people. You know, that was just the vibe I got. And I can't base it on anything. It's just the vibe and the 
you know, body language and all that kind of thing and her voice tone, etc. So anyway, I just always thought yeah, that was sort of the clincher for me. I kind of suspected her and that was just to me, it was sort of like, yeah, you're not really into this at all. And sure, she might have had something to go to, but it was just the heart. The heart wasn't there at all. It just looked like, anyway. And I would even maybe add uh, Kim Iverson to this list as well. Yeah, definitely. She's been based on some things, but awful on. No, she's awful. She's awful. Yeah. Her. And who's the other one that we mentioned earlier with the uh, white bit of hair and the black hair? What's her name? Tulsi. She's WEF. Tulsi. Tulsi. Yeah. Yeah. She's WEF. Oh, yeah. And she's trying to be an influencer too. So that's very interesting. Hmm. I'm sure there'll be more and more. I mean, we could probably update the list every six months or so because there'll be new new um, recruits they'll bring out once the old ones get a bit tired and, you know, frayed around the edges, exposed. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, overall I thought it was a pretty good list and definitely thought-provoking, right, because a lot of people in the truth community are hooked on these people. Actually, that's something else I wanted to bring up and mention just to see what you guys thought. I have noticed this trend of, excuse me, of, um, you know, bickering within the truther community. It's, it's, I feel like it's almost like the, the sort of the next stage or the next scene to be played out is people bickering and exposing each other, but I just don't know how authentic some of it is. I just feel like it's a bit of an act, some of the, some of the bigger ones. Um, I well, can't really bring we, an we, example to mind, but I have noticed it quite a number of times. We kind of we kind of started we started with that idea. Mm. I brought up my my buddy BR, who's kind of exposed two different uh, entities. One being an individual kind of grifter who is just selling shit to like the two A community, and the other being a grifter who like was running a militia. And like I think. Uh, we do we we need people that are going to expose the frauds the the hucksters the the grifters because there's a lot of them you know and i guess uh i don't know on that note we <laughs> this is an epic wtf forum y'all like I there's one thing I wanted <laughs> there I've done two epic episodes in a row here. But epic um, is the new I'll, black. I'll let the folks at the front desk uh I'll give them your regards. Don't worry about it. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, nobody's got a gun to their head, you know. You don't ha- you don't have to listen, you don't have to be here if you don't want to be. But the last thing I wanted to share uh, I wish I had found this before doing the episode about John Frum. I don't know if y'all listened to that. Those of you that weren't there, uh, I think it was just me and Stella. Dude, it was fascinating. Did you enjoy that one? I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I've never heard about this before. Very interesting, right? Yeah. Well, I figured so, out they call him John Frum. Because he was probably John from like Toledo or whatever. John yeah, from was, was, the Toledo it, fell off, and he was just John from John yeah, from it was America. John from America. Yeah, yeah. So I wish I had found this clip. I found it like the day the day after, um, but it totally applies to the John from thing. 
and just this idea of like the intersection of modern folk with ancient folk and there's this whole story that we've never been told the lost white tribes today uh, i'm going to be talking about a theory you've never heard of and hopefully by the end of it you'll think as i do that it really is something that nobody really talks about and yet it has changed the world and continues to change the world um, it's called the Hamitic hypothesis. Uh, it's an idea that uh, developed over hundreds of years, became very popular in the 19th century, but continues to affect parts of the world today, particularly Africa. Um, it's the subject of a book that's, uh, that I've written that'll be coming out in a couple of months called The Lost White Tribe, Explores Scientists and a Theory That Changed a Continent. This story, uh, it, well, I should tell you, I'm a historian of exploration, and my, that's my job. I look at explorers and expeditions and um, cultural encounters with people around the world and why people think these expeditions are so important back home. Um, and this story of uh, the Lost White Tribe, which I'm going to be talking about, and the Hamitic Hypothesis, really grew out of a book I wrote about 10 years ago called The Coldest Crucible. And that was about Arctic exploration. Um, and in a way, I never would have imagined that this book about the Arctic would have led me to the project I'm working on now, because this book is about the Arctic, and the Hamitic hypothesis is really about Africa. Um, but it actually grew out of part of that earlier topic. Um, I was writing about Arctic exploration. I was particularly interested in American explorers and how in the 1800s, American explorers found it so interesting to go to the Arctic, a really dangerous place, many dozens of Americans lost their lives going there, either to try to find a Northwest Passage or to get to the North Pole. Um, but I found this story of one explorer. His name was Villiamore Stephenson. And he went to the Arctic, not to try to get to the North Pole, but to find undiscovered peoples. And while he was in uh, the upper region of, of Canada, in a place called Victoria Island, he discovered a group of Inuit uh, which he described when he came back as being blonde, of being what he called blonde Eskimos. And I thought this was the most bizarre story, but I couldn't stop reading about it. Uh, there were stories all over the United States at the time. In fact, worldwide press took up the story of the blonde Eskimos of Victoria Island. Some people thought it was a complete fake, that it was a hoax. Other people thought it was uh, an amazing uh, uh, kind of discovery that needed to be explained. Um, but I had nothing that I could do with it. I, it had no part to play in the story I was telling. So I tucked it away in a file. And what I found was that over the next six years or so, I started finding more and more kind of stories of these tribes, these white tribes that people had discovered all over the world. So for example, in uh, Panama, Richard Marsh finds a group that he calls the White Indians. And um, in Central Asia, there's a group of people who said they found uh, Tibetans who looked Aryan. Um, and in parts of Africa, people were finding white tribes as well. And in Japan, people discovered in the late 19th century a group called the Ainu in the northern uh, island of Japan, which they said looked like Caucasians. So by the time I got to about 2008, I had this giant file of kind of weird white tribe discoveries. And I figured now was the time uh, to, to do something with it. But there was one story in particular that I was interested in, and that was the story of uh, 
of a discovery that took place in East Africa in the 1870s um, in that red box that you see there. It happened um, just to the west of Lake Victoria, one of the largest lakes in the world. And it was made by a very famous explorer, Henry Morton Stanley. Now, Stanley may have, be familiar to you as the guy who uh, discovers Livingston or rescues Livingston uh, in the heart of Africa in 1869. In fact, the phrase, Dr. Livingston, I presume, uh, was supposedly something that, uh, that uh, Stanley said to Livingston when they met. This was one of the most famous expeditions of the 19th century. But Stanley went back to Africa, he went back many times. And on his subsequent expedition to Africa, he went not to find Livingston, but to try to discover the source of the Nile. Um, the, people knew by the late 1800s that there were many lakes uh, in the areas of East Africa, what we call the Rift Valley of East Africa, and that one of these lakes would have been the source of the Nile, something that geographers had been searching for for 2,000 years. Um, but Stanley said, I'm going to figure out which of these lakes it actually is. And so he treks into East Africa, and he determines with great confidence that Lake Victoria is the ultimate source of the Nile. 4,000 miles of Nile River, and that is the source. But what he also discovers is something that, in a sense, creates a new mystery, which is he finds that there are members of an African soldier force that are protecting him, which look white. And he calls them Greeks in white shirts. He can't believe how light-complected these Africans are. Um, he asks other members of his expedition party, who are these men? And they say, they come from the mountains to the west in a, in a, on a mountain called Gambaragara. So he writes about this and sends these reports back home. And the illustrations of his narrative actually show Mount Gambaragara um, over on the left-hand side of the illustration. You can see it in the background. This became a huge story back home, this lost white race that Stanley had found in the heart of Africa. Now, how in, the, how in God's name would Stanley have explained this uh, in the late 18th century? What kind of kind of theoretical background could people use or information why you would find a group of white people living in the heart of Africa. In fact, Stanley, very much as a man of the 18, uh, 1800s, was at this transition moment between people who used the Bible as a way of explaining the history of the world and people who used science as a way of explaining the history of the world. And so when Stanley thought about it, he actually looked back to the Middle Ages when people tried to explain the differences that we saw in the peoples of the world, what we would call racial differences, um, and look to the stories of Genesis, in particular the story of Noah. And in the story of Noah, we all know about Noah and the flood, but a lot of people don't know what happened after the flood, which was uh, Noah parks the, uh, the ark on the top of Mount Ararat, disembarks with his family, as well as his three sons, um, Sem, Japheth, and Ham. And it was really these three sons that many people in the Middle Ages, and by that we're talking about Jews, Christians, and Muslims, all looked at this story as a kind of explanation for how the world got repopulated after it was annihilated in Genesis 9. And as you see here, this is a medieval map showing the three sons of Noah on the three known continents of the world. Asia on the top, you see the little ark there at the very top, hanging out on top of uh, Ararat, um, and, and Sem, the base of the word Semitic comes from Sem, Noah's son. And then in the bottom left corner is Europe. This map is rotated east, by the way. Uh, on the bottom left, you see uh, Europe, and that's Japheth, the son of Japheth. And then the forerunner of all Africans, people thought, 
were the descendants of Ham. And so this is, so when Stanley talks about this white tribe, he says somehow this must, they must be related, they must be somehow related to the tribe of Ham. And they became known as Hamites. But All right, I'm, I'm killing it there. I'm sure people have thoughts. I mean, Elon Musk is an African and he's white. So I don't see what the big deal is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Ando, didn't you bring up the Hamites? In the, yeah, uh, I knew exactly what he was talking about when he said yeah. Hamites. Uh, yeah. It's just like, okay, yeah. He was talking about uh, Ham from the Bible. I knew exactly whenever he was calling them Hamites. Um, yeah, this is interesting, but uh, let's see. Ham was, okay, so apparently the Canaanites were cursed because of Ham, uh, because Canaan was Ham's son, but Ham was the one that saw Noah in his nakedness. And uh, and then Japheth and uh, and Shem covered Noah with a blanket uh, by walking backward, so they didn't look upon their father in his nakedness. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that. Um, some people have some really interesting interpretations of it. I'm not exactly sure what happened there. Nobody is, um, mainly because I believe that. A lot of details are left out of Genesis as, as one part of it because it's it's probably about 50 different stories take place in that book. But uh, so you don't get all of the details there. You get kind of an abbreviated version. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, I I don't know how these guys could have gotten that far up there, though. It's interesting, at least. I'm just going to call it a night here, guys. It's almost midnight, uh, two minutes to one minute now. But thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Ando. Thank you, Drizzle. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Stella. And I uh, hope everybody checks out our episode that Stella, Ashley, and I just did. And I just had an episode yeah, with Grub that yeah. got released on Great my Great to see you again. Subconscious oh. realms. So, it was disappearing. Sorry about that. Uh, thank you, guys. And have a great night. You too, Jen. Thank you. Talk to you later. You're welcome. See you, Jen. See you later. See you, Jen. Bye. Oh, so, sorry. I didn't mean know, to interrupt then. I've got a little bit of a browser problem going on. I just thought he'd finished. Hmm. Forgive me. No problem. No problem. Um, yeah. So I was going to say on that particular topic, this isn't something that I know a ton about, but um, yeah, I was. we were talking about Robert Seffer um, in our chat a little bit here, and <laughs> he does have some interesting theories that kind of talk about the Aryans and their middle East and wherever and the they're real, from. The real. Yeah. Yeah. Them, let's yeah. talk about real. Um, yeah. It's not something, like I said, that I'm super educated on, but I have heard, you know, a little bit more like maybe that there's a lot more white people in some of these places than we ever have been told, but past that, I don't know a ton. Yeah. You know, I only I only brought it up because um like I said, I think it applies to like what we talked about with the John Frum thing and like explorers, you know, going to new lands and encountering people and um we 
we just don't know what was what back like a few hundred, you know, a few thousand years ago, a few hundred years ago. We don't know. We don't know what what was going on before we were born unless we can talk to people who actually lived in that yeah. time period. Yeah, yeah. Like we we dude <clears throat> some people think we live at like the greatest time in the world because we have all this information at our fingertips, but I kind of think it's the opposite because how much of it can we truly verify? How much truth can we actually know? Yeah, Absolutely if you can't agree. If, if you can't ask your grandfather to confirm it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How valid. Yeah. That's something that I really resent about the internet. Um it's so changed. I mean obviously, it's so changed so much, but particularly those real core things like sitting around the dining room, having a meal, asking your mum and dad questions and getting their take and their wisdom and their experience. Um, that just doesn't happen anymore. You know, I mean, you just, you go to, I've done it myself. You go to ask, you know, your mum or your brother or something. Oh, I may as well just Google it. That's probably what they'll tell me to do anyway these days, you know, but that real connection of, it's such a uniting thing to be able to talk and and banter and all the things that come out of a conversation, you know, the laughs and those moments that you'll always remember. And that one little bit of wisdom that your grandma said or something, they've killed it. <laughs> so it's it's like you've got to really make an effort to make that happen now and be very conscious of that, which a lot of people really aren't. It's just such an easy, easy slope to fall onto. Yeah. Amen. Any any other thoughts? I you know, I think it's about time to wrap her up, but like this is a good place. This is a good thing to finish on. Um it's okay to question the history that we're told. You don't have to take it hook, line, and sinker, you know? I think at this point it's kind of mandatory. You have to you have to question it. Yes. Yeah. You you have to sort things out for yourself. Yeah. If and you I... let somebody else do it for you, they're gonna be direct in the course of your life. Yeah. It, it's and that I... simple. And I think that people need to do that with current times, like we've talked about this before, that they did it actively. They changed the definition of things. They changed the thresholds for certain statistical analysis and all kinds of stuff during COVID times. So we saw it happen actively now. We know that we were lied to about Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War, World War One, World War II, Vietnam War. We're lied to about the counterculture and that whole generation because it was created. 9/11. We're lied to about 9-11. And so, so, yes, and uh, Tesla and all that. So we know that our uh, more recent past history was a lie. So I would consider that like now medium history. And then so you need to know that ancient history, it, it applies in that way as well. So you have to question not only the current stuff, but all the way back, or at least understand, or at least be willing to question that everything we've ever been told is a lie. And that very powerful people and generational families have an interest in keeping that information from you. This is why... This is why I did a six-hour episode yesterday 
about food, land, and guns. Because uh, that's really what matters. And like, I, I, I kind of harped on the story of the Mormons, even though I don't agree with their beliefs. They, they are one of the best, like relatively modern examples of a, of a group of folks who stood up against the federal government and actually in some ways kind of like won, succeeded. Um, they wanted they wanted a fully autonomous nation. They didn't quite get that, but they they at least survived. People wanted to eradicate them. So anyways, like I guess I say that to say like, this is why we have to go for four hours or or more at times. Like there's shit we gotta talk about in long form. You cannot say it in 30 minutes. Yeah. Or 140 characters. Yeah. Well, anybody want to say anything before we uh, send her around the circle? All right. Well, (laughs) I guess I'll start. Mike the Polymath, Easy Peasy Podcast. Uh, You can find all of my links at easypeasy.ittybitty.tips. And uh, I'll send it to the drizzle. Uh, and I have been the drizzle for four hours, six minutes, and almost 30 seconds. Now it is 30 seconds. Uh, and you can find everything that I have my digital fingerprints on at manufacturingreality.org. And I'll pass it over to Stella because she's actually first in my queue. So we're. We're doing crazy stuff tonight, folks. Let's invert everything. <laughs> um, yeah, Stella Q from Down Under, I guess, um, and Union of the Unknowns, and ooh, that's about it at the moment. Oh, and what the fuck forum? <laughs> WTF, always here. Ashley, glad to see you back and healthy too. Yes, thank you so much. The flu, uh, they tried to Wait, take me the flu. Ashley, where where can we find the union of the unknowns? Well, Mike, I'm glad you asked. You can find us at theunionoftheunknowns.com. That's our Linktree page with the myriad ways that you can get in touch with us. And you can also find me over on Twitter at Union Unknowns. <laughs> uh, Ando. <laughs> All right, libertylinks.io slash the doom kitchen is how you find all my stuff. And then you can also email me at the doom kitchen at protonmail.com. Thanks, everybody. I had a blast. Love y'all. Love you guys. Thanks, guys. Oh, you're muted, Mike. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> Thanks for joining on the WTF forum. We will catch you next week.